Live. You can take control of the airwaves. Just dial on in toll-free. Bring up whatever's on your mind at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free. Those other talk show hosts, they want to charge you for their websites. Ours is free, so enjoy it at freetalklive.com. As usual, lots to talk about here tonight, uh, but I think to start things out, there's some pretty big news, and it's big in a real bad way, at least for the folks in Arizona. Arizona lawmakers, according to the Wall Street Journal on Tuesday, passed one of the toughest pieces of immigration enforcement legislation in the country. Yay! They're going to kick all the Mexicans out, and they're going to destroy your freedoms all at the same time. The Trojan horse. Which would, uh, by the way, I don't want to make it sound like I actually want uh, Mexicans to leave. I think, uh, for the most part, they're great people that are here to make a better life for themselves. And and come on in, please. You sounded like you were kidding. Okay, good. Uh, which should, uh, So here you go. It'll make it a violation of Arizona state law to be in the United States without proper documentation. It would also grant the police the power to stop and verify the immigration status of Anyone so, that they suspect of being illegal. So do you really think it's going to end with, with Mexicans? Well, I don't know. What, what do you mean by that? <laughs> well, what I mean is is this, is this is the camel's nose under the tent again. Isn't it true that they, they pass laws like this so they can basically pull anybody over? And, of course, they might start out. That's the out, point of it. Yeah. They might start out by saying, well, are you a citizen or talking with you to see if you have an accent or something? But it always ends up in mission creep. Well, yeah, and and this this is oddly uh, to me very broadly written. They get to verify whether or not you're a citizen. So that means to to their mind, um, you know, it may not end at a driver's license. Well, okay. they're going to run your license. Yeah, sure. Like stopping you. So they can stop you, uh, waylay you on your on your on your way about, and um, you know, as as though your time isn't worth anything, and and they're you know they they need to do these things. It's just ridiculous. There's more to the story. It would also grant, uh, so as we say, it'll grant the police the power to stop and verify anyone they suspect of being illegal. It could face a veto from the Arizona governor. She has not publicly commented on the bill. Uh, However, she has argued for stringent immigration laws, so I'm not sure why they would think she's going to veto it. Under the measure passed Tuesday by the lower house after being passed earlier by the state Senate, foreign nationals are required to carry proof of legal residency. Immigrants groups roundly criticize the bill. The objective is to make life miserable for immigrants so that they leave the state, according to the Day Labor Organizing Network. The bill constitutes a complete disregard for the rights of non-whites in Arizona. It effectively mandates racial profiling. The bill's author was in a committee session, blah, 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 blah. Arpaio, Joe Arpaio, the sheriff of Maricopa County, has gained a national reputation for his tough, uh, tough stance on immigration enforcement, Arpaio also did not return a request for comment. The bill is different from an earlier version, giving protections for church and community organizations from criminal prosecution for transporting or harboring illegal immigrants. 
In a statement, one of the representatives calls the measure a comprehensive immigration enforcement bill that addresses the concerns of our community's constituents and colleagues. This updated version gives our local police officers the tools they need to combat illegal immigration while protecting the civil rights of citizens and legal residents. Exactly how does this bill have anything to do with uh, protecting civil rights? Because he said so. Yes. Yeah, and tools. Whenever they break out that word tools, I get scared. However... Human rights groups are certain to challenge the measure in court, said Joe Rubio, lead organizer of Valley Interfaith Project, calling it an economic train wreck, adding that Arizona's economic recovery will lag way behind the countries if we keep chasing away our workforce. Where do the legislators think businesses will find workers? Yeah, you know, and I know some people out in Arizona, and they've told me that in the last two years now with the real estate slump that... They really don't see as many Mexicans out there. I mean, there probably are plenty of them that come in still, but compared to a few years ago when they had the real estate boom, a lot of them have gone home because they've been harassed and there's less work there now. Why would anybody want to stay in a place where there's a total police state crackdown going on? I mean, that's what it's it's becoming here. Yeah, Mexico is a freer country than this one in many regards. It depends, now. yeah. It depends on what way you're looking at it. But in many in many ways, the, the more... Uh, unfree america becomes the united states becomes the the less likely people will be to uh, to come here so it's true that the more draconian their measures of enforcement get uh the less likely immigrants will will come here but as the person in the article here is pointing out that is not going to do good things for the economy because immigrants are a boon uh to the economy they bring labor to the country and they're willing to work for less and that means that uh, products and services can cost less and meaning your dollars go further i mean there's nothing wrong with uh, with bringing new people here to uh, to work in many cases work jobs that uh, a lot of americans will would refuse to take there's also a market demand for labor at a wage that's lower than the minimum wage in many areas, especially when it comes to work like picking crops and things mm-hmm. like that. So if you don't have that, they're just going to grow the crops in another country. In fact, they're moving a lot of farms down to Mexico. Yes. Uh, the farmers are looking at the the cost of doing business with all this immigration nonsense that they have to the, the hoops that they're going to have to jump through now and in the future and they look down to Mexico and they say, "Well, I can just have the same workers work uh, you know, 100 miles south of here and yeah, temperature's relatively, the climate's relatively the same. We'll just grow our crops down there. We'll just take our entire business out of the United States then. It, you, 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 it makes you wonder why in the world would they would, why in the world would somebody run a farm within 100 or 150 miles, maybe 200 miles of the border when they could just go south of it and it's a lot easier and the, 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 the labor's significantly cheaper. And it's legal down there. So I think there's no doubt that they are going to be using this new um, legislation, presuming it's signed by the governor. Uh, that there's no doubt that they'll be using this to target people who look brown. It's likely that's going to be the case. But at the same time... They could very well target people that don't look brown, but, um, you know, is that great? (laughs) I mean, I'm not not really interested in getting uh, waylaid and, and, you know, that that kind of thing either. No, no. What I was saying is they uh, they are likely going to use this as an excuse to target uh, brown people, and that's that's certainly not not a good thing. And I think Wayne is right that initially it's going to be that they might get caught doing that kind of thing. Eventually they'll use that as the excuse. Well, now we've just got to eyeball everybody because well, I mean we're already doing it at the internal checkpoints that you find uh, within 150 miles of the northern and southern borders of the country. They have these checkpoints that are either physically uh, permanent installations or they're movable, where they essentially will take them from place to place and they stop pretty much everybody they stop pretty much everybody and ask them what their citizenship is 
And so now it's going to be beyond that, though. Uh, that's the that's what the Border Patrol are doing. They're stopping people, not randomly, just kind of wholesale at, the, the, at their roadside checkpoints, asking them what their citizenship is, and then usually waving them on, in some cases waving them over and doing secondary searches and things like that. Right, but with this law, you can't. Uh, you know, refuse to give them the information. Now the you, know, you have to have your papers. Yeah, right. now the, you have to have your papers. papers. If I'm in Arizona, a United States citizen, I have to provide papers to prove that that's true. And now it doesn't. You know, it, 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 what if I went outside the? What if I went out of the house without my driver's license? Then I'm going to get myself that'd be good, illegal. Yeah, that'd be a great ticket um, that I'm going to have to to deal with. And I, I love that part. But what if I just don't want to give them my information? Well, but, they might just have to detain you until they figure out who yeah, you are. Yeah, that's what they're going to have to do. Yeah. And in parallel to this, you have a bunch of other draconian anti-immigrant laws being proposed. For example, the the worker identification program. And now there's another proposed uh, RFID ID that they want to push through for everybody again. They're trying. This is another wave of, of them attempting to demonize Mexicans, uh, immigrants, in order to get all of us in the long run. It's just like the, the old saying, mm-hmm. that first they came for the gypsies, but I wasn't yes. a gypsy. This is how it starts. Read your history, folks. This they is how it all starts. They create a national enemy. They create mm. a boogeyman. They create this a bad is the domestic, guy. This is one of the domestic boogeymen. Then there's international uh, boogeymen as well. Right. And if it's not the uh, if it's not the Mexican immigrants, then it's the militia, crazy uh, militia members or, yeah. you know, the, the terrorists. Or the or... Tea Party extremists. <laughs> I don't know if the Tea Party extremists are there yet, but no. Islamic Islamo fascists. Yeah, or the that or that specter, or the drug dealers, or in and back in the fifties it was the commies, right? Yeah. Eight hundred. They two, were funding. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That is the SACL CAI toll free line. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever might happen to be on your mind. Your calls coming up. Free Talk Live. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. MemoryDealers.com offers the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, including SFPs, GBICs, XFPs, Zimpaks, and X2s, that are 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers, including Cisco, 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, and HP, at up to 99% off list price. Memory Dealers can also offer customized solutions for your transceiver requirements, including private labeling. Memory Dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs, in stock and ready to ship via overnight delivery. MemoryDealers.com You can take control of the airwaves and dial in to bring up anything at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And And Mark. Oh, hey, you're here too? Yeah, yeah. Uh, And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, including our webcam, which is brought to you by MemoryDealers.com. You go to cam.freetalklive.com and you can watch and listen and interact because Free Talk Live's listeners uh, can get into a chat room there on the CAM page. So uh, watch, listen, chat all at the same time at cam.freetalklive.com. Brought to you by memories de- uh, MemoryDealers.com, who offers the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, including SFPs, GBICs, XFPs, Zenpacks, and X2s that are 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers, including Cisco, 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, and HP at up to 99% off list price. 
They can offer customized solutions for your transceiver requirements, including private labeling. Get in touch with them. Their uh, products are in stock and ready to ship via overnight delivery at MemoryDealers.com, your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs. MemoryDealers.com. As we go to your phone calls about what you want, starting out with Pete listening in California. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Pete. Hey, hi, guys. What's on your mind tonight, Pete? Um, I want to say thanks for letting me uh, take control of the airways for a few seconds here. Here you are. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, quickly, what do you think of this idea? There's such a logjam in politics, and Americans suffer year after year. I think we all agree, especially those who have the libertarian bent. So why not just create the spoiler party? The goal should simply be to elect five guys, maybe ten at the most, from the, the most... Um, uh, pliable districts in the country where persons are either, you know, freedom-oriented or radical or old-school American or libertarian, um, get it funded by, get the campaigns funded by contributions from all over the country. The sole purpose of the spoiler party is simply to block any kind of legislation such as the Obamacare, because if you think about it, if there were five to seven guys who could have acted as spoilers, it wouldn't... It, the Obamacare bill would never have passed. It's as simple as that. So you're not you're not proposing this on a realistic basis, right? You're just talking about Paul's fantasy. Well, I, I consider it a, a viable or realistic alternative to today's fantasy? politics because even it, let's say even if you were a fan of the Libertarian Party, you know it seems that uh, it's such a, it's been such a, an uphill battle or such a uh, well what uh, makes such you a, think... a road to walk that it never seems like the Libertarians are ever going to. Amount to anything. Well, the, third, the Libertarians party or the have been Green at it party for... or any other party, because Americans can't seem to get out of this uh, Republican and Democrat paradigm. So, what makes you think that the Spoiler Party is going to do any better than the Libertarian Party? Well, it it, if you can get five guys or ten guys, the whole purpose of the Spoiler Party is just to put a check on the party that has the majority in Congress at any point in time. Are you actually talking about forming another political party, or are you talking yes, about creating like forming a caucus another political within... party. The sole so, purpose so of you're not talking about only having five a... persons elected. You're not talking about having a caucus within like the Republican or no, Democratic Party. No, I'm not party. talking about that at all. In so fact, you're the talking party about... might have a, such a simple platform, like we yeah. uh, run on the Bill of Rights. Or we defend the Bill of Rights, or we adhere to the Bill of Rights. There's all kinds of people that do that. You've got the Constitution Party, you've got the Libertarian Party. Right, right. And and because they all have extensive platforms, uh, the number of persons that can get behind any one of those limited parties... Uh, is much smaller. Okay, here's my question for you. Have you ever gotten involved in third-party politics? Right. Have you? That's a question. Yes, I have. Who did you work with? I've worked with uh, libertarians. Okay, so you've been a member of the Libertarian Party. Yeah, I have in the past. Sure. Okay, and and you've you've actively involved yourself in in running uh, campaigns. Running one? No, not myself. Okay. Well, I, I just uh, you probably know this, but the government people, uh, the Democrats and Republicans, have built their system to make it very, very difficult to get on the ballot, uh, to right. get on the ballot, and do other things from a political perspective sure. as a third party. So, I mean, the Libertarians and the uh, the Constitutionalist guys and the Greens, I mean, these right. are parties that have been at it for a long, long time, and they have a hard time getting on the ballot. I still, I guess, my question is, what makes you think? That you can put something together that will be more effective. I'm not saying you can't do it, but what what do you what do you believe that, that will be so different and radically uh, attractive 
about your party that you'll be able to garner the popular support and funding that will be necessary in order to do things like get your candidates into a debate? Well, uh, if, if I look at it from the, the congressional level, take Ron Paul as an example. He acts actually as a pretty good model, right? While he's in the Republican Party, and, and you know, I'll um, admit to that, nonetheless, he has this Dr. No uh, philosophy. Persons can get behind that. Persons actually sent him money from all over the country, whether or not it was for a presidential campaign. Uh, mm-hmm. This, this type, of, type of person like Ron Paul actually appeals to a large segment of voters who feel constrained from having to, to vote for, for the lesser of two evils in their own district, for example. And there are some districts in the United States of America that are highly susceptible to having a liberty-oriented candidate. There are? If the organization really? behind which, it were, were... Which ones, and why don't they have a liberty-oriented candidate now? Well, which ones? Well, um, I don't have an actual list before me. Can you think of one? I mean, I, I, I just... I just well, I, in I, the states I, I of uh, Wyoming and Alaska and Idaho uh, are all states which have uh, either very... Um, they have Democrats that are actually old-school uh, Republicans uh, that currently get reelected. There's uh, the, the voters themselves seem to be fomenting for having this kind of a candidate. If, if you Pete. feel defeatist, which it sounds like on your end. Yeah, I think national oh, politics is hopeless. I'm not defeatist. I, I suppose I should scratch the idea. I think, I think national politics is hopeless, but I mean, I don't, I don't want to talk you down right. from your life. I want here, you man. to succeed at this. Go Pete. ahead and, uh, and I, have a blast. I'm just trying to inject, inject a little bit of reality. I mean, you said earlier. Well, it's not a question of reality. I asked, what is your opinion? Well, I, th- I have no opinion of uh, – I think that uh, generally doing any kind of national-level politics is a waste of time and, uh, and money, for the most part. Uh, yeah. And, and but, so you, you believe, then, a more realistic approach is to, I don't know, overthrow the state of New Hampshire? I didn't overthrow say anything about it. overthrowing. Uh, well, I, you know, metaphorically speaking. Well, the idea is to How's bring liberty-minded right people – What's that? Actually, it's going pretty good. you want to hear a list of uh, successes? Sure. Let's hear him. Yeah, it's sure. awesome. We'll give you that here in a moment, Mark. Make a note. We'll get back okay. to it. But there was one point I wanted to uh, I wanted to address about what you said. You said that your uh, spoiler party wouldn't have all the same uh, issues as the, like the libertarians because they wouldn't have as big of a platform. So what does that mean? I mean, when your candidates would be, if they were to get into a debate and they were to be asked questions. Uh, would they just refuse to answer them, or would they just simply say, we don't have a position, we're just here to spoil the fun and uh, vote no on everything? I mean, what, how, would the, how would their positions be more simple than the Libertarian Party's uh, position? Well, that's a good question. I have not uh, thought it through that far that, that of the minutiae of a debate. Okay, okay, that's a you know that's a fair answer to say you haven't thought it through. But it seems to me that when people are aligning themselves with a political party, they want to know what that party believes on a variety of uh, different issues, and that's why groups like the Libertarian Party have large platforms that take something like the Libertarian principle and attempt to expand it out and address several different issues to uh, help people feel comfortable with where that particular party believes uh, or what that party believes. And since you asked for it, we'll give you some successes of the uh, the Free State Project here in a little bit, and you can hang on if you'd like at 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. It's Free Talk Live. Have you ever wished that you could buy, sell, and trade in silver in your community? 
Dell Valley Silver has a no-cost turnkey setup for you. You recruit six to eight businesses in your area to accept Dell Valley Silver rounds as barter currency, and your wish is granted. You get paid, and you promote the use of real money. This isn't like so many other silver currency setups where it's really just a system to sell high-priced rounds. It's a free market system based on Austrian economics. DellValleySilver.com. DellValleySilver.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want by dialing in toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com features including... Our bulletin board system, over 500,000 posts await you. There's a lot to talk about there with our other listeners over at bbs.freetalklive.com. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy for you to get your own .com domain name. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. Use coupon code FTL, that's FTL as in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. HostGator.com, code FTL. 800-259-9231. We bring back Pete in California. Uh, Pete, you called in to propose an idea for the national scene as far as trying to get things to change in Washington, D.C. You propose the spoiler party, which would be a a new third party that would exist for the purpose of essentially making it so nothing could pass, uh, at least if it were a close vote, in uh, in Washington D.C., the idea being to get five, ten, fifteen people, something like that, who uh, would be consistently voting down things, uh, a la Doctor No or Ron Paul would, uh, like he would in in Congress, and thereby put a stop on the you know the, the further growth of the state. They wouldn't be able to turn around the growth of the state, but it would be just a an elaborate plan to attempt to uh, to halt at least some of the growth of the state. Did I uh, recap that appropriately? Yeah, that's superior. That's excellent. So, now, one of the things that you brought up about um, the difficulty of getting on ballots for federal election, let's say, for the presidency, yeah, admittedly, amazingly difficult. That said, getting on a state uh, ballot for a district, for a congressional district, isn't nearly as difficult. Yep, um, it's, it, it all depends on which state. Uh, some of them are easier than others, but as I recall, the Libertarian Party every few years when it's uh, when it's running candidates for those offices has to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars in order to uh, to you know effectively get people out there because Wait, uh, you have to get uh, right, right. You have uh, to get paid petitioners but the, but the whole out. point wouldn't be to try to get candidates. In all 435 districts, that would be foolhardy. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Strictly with laser precision, finding uh, five or ten districts where um, the the majority of the effort would be focused every uh, um, congressional election every two years. Yeah, let let me be focused on that and that alone. Let me tell you about. what our efforts were like in, in Sarasota, Florida. Now, um, my, my efforts pale in comparison to Ian's. He did a lot more on this campaign than I did. But I was sort of along for the ride, and I experienced it uh, emotionally. And it was a it was a, a, a state house uh, election, and um, the 
there were two two times that occurred, and it was uh, I don't know District 69 or something like that, and um, it was this is just state house, so it's a relatively small um, election. In the uh, election where there was no Democrat running, because in this area it really wasn't worth a Democrat running. That was the second one. Not that the was the second one, one but I, but there's a reason why I'm going to give them in this order. Okay. Um, the second one, I believe we got 34 percent of the vote. Is that correct? No, I don't recall. It was a th- it, was, it was the three it was two digits beginning with a three, and um the, that that's when there was no Democrat running and that was against the Republican and it, it, you know it was a huge resounding success. We only we only failed by 65 percent. Um, whereas in the election previous well, you to that, you didn't fail by 65%. It would have only taken, uh, you know, if it was 34%, it would have only taken another 20% to win or, or 17% or something. Sure. And if you turned the votes of, uh, nine P 9%, then it would have, uh, yeah. they would have won, but whatever it, it, it doesn't matter because, uh, we lost and that was the way it went. Um, and that was libertarian party. And, uh, let's see, uh, in the election before that, when there was a Democrat running, uh, I think we got two or three percent. Ian, that was the one you were campaign I managing, right? I think it was right? three percent. Yeah. Three percent, and that's because people don't vote for third parties, Pete. Pete. Yeah, I, I'm listening to you. I, I, I'm not buying your argument, but I'm listening to you. And you're you're giving an anecdotal story okay. about one particular place. And if that were true, that persons don't vote third parties, then there would be no third party politicians currently holding any office anywhere in the United States of America. There aren't well, really very well, many. But there are. So it, 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 right, right there, it just completely shuts down the, your argument. But what you how said earlier about platforms is rather interesting. How many, platforms wait, 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 are rather wait, 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 lengthy and big. There's an important, the, the important platforms thing. Platforms are trying to attract uh, investors, if you will, into particular parties. Pete, there's but an important said, thing to look at. couldn't tell you what the Democrats' platform is, or many Democratic voters. They, most of them would be able to tell you that Oh, as a Democrat, we're pro-abortion, pro-welfare, pro-women, pro-blacks, pro-unions. Or Republicans might be able to say, oh, yeah, we're pro-farmers and pro-oil. But they really couldn't tell you what the platforms are. You see, yeah, you know, I really looking tell you at what an the alternative of the Libertarian way Party of, is, of trying to Pete. solve some problems here, it, one way to do it is just to make it simple for persons. Sure, I like keeping it simple. That makes sense. Mark, what were you trying to get in there? Pete, um, how many of these people that are elected third parties were not previously elected in um, one of the uh, major parties? Now, I, I can't answer with Bernie Sanders, but I can answer with uh, uh, you know Lieberman. Lieberman at one point was a Democrat. Now, somebody would have to look this up. I can't answer. But it seems to me that these guys built name recognition by being elected under a uh, under a regular party and then took that name recognition and managed to parlay it into a third party uh, run. And third parties in this in the United States have traditionally been. Uh, personality driven when uh, Theodore Roosevelt ran to the bull moose party or whatever uh, all these things tend to be personality driven not party driven mm-hmm. well I would agree with you at at the congressional level in the Senate there with Lieberman and uh, and with Saunders both of those guys were previously elected um, under a different party right so they switched but but plenty of persons are holding office today in America at other levels from third parties that never ran under the moniker or built Give me a one name. Give me in one a, name. Google. How about you I how about you just use that. Google and look it up? But you don't know any but, uh, of them, liber- though, right? well, and, and, and one... but you don't know you but you can't say that you don't know that one exists. 
So well, we'll just have to defer. I'm not saying I can tell you that libertarians. How's that? I can tell you libertarians have won the the house, catcher. house race here in New Hampshire. It happened and it it occurred. They won something up in Alaska once too. So really, what you're saying is the traditional third parties that try to mimic the Democrats and the Republicans are resounding failures for the simple reason that they try to mimic these parties by gotcha. having you know, I tell you what, man, I, I say go for it. I mean, who's going to fund this? Means yep. By which to get elected. Pete, how, who who a gonna, guy like me who's just coming up it, with Pete. a Pete, alternative it, idea okay? looking for your opinions, Pete. Um, Pete. you'd rather just My opinion is you should do it. No, no, no. My opinion is at some of the merits of it. Pete, will you pay attention here? We're saying you should do it, Pete. My opinion is that anything on the national level stinks and third parties stink. But I think you have the passion that perhaps you can make this work. And a lot of people throughout history have taken what I what what may what many people called bad ideas and made them work. I'm for that. I believe me, I want you to succeed on this. I don't think you will, but that's my opinion. So, Pete, how are you going to fund uh, this thing? I mean, if you if you're going to move ahead with this, and it sounds like like Mark said, you've got a lot of passion. So, where are you going to get the money? Where would I get the money? Well, yeah. see, um, the, the candidates who would be put, put forth, they would certainly need the money. And you use the approach of the money bomb. It works very well for Ron Paul. It, it's used up. Um, I mean, people. I everybody's used up. I think people are still raising money. Republicans with the money bomb. Are, are money bombing now, and I I don't know. It's I just. So you're going to form a third party only in certain states where oh, you you're decide. You're assuming that I would would actually be forming the third party. Well, who else is going to do it? Yeah. Well, yeah. you think sorry, man. Some... Your idea isn't so good that somebody else is going to take it and you run with it. You think somebody else? I mean, is that's, pick... that's generally not how it goes. Right. In if life. you want something done right, you have to do it yourself, Pete. If you the think man you with can the just... passion is the only man that can make something work. If you think you could just throw it out there and find somebody who's going to become as passionate as you, I would say that's fairly unlikely. So either you get out there and run with your idea, or you can just cross your fingers and hope that somebody else says, "Yeah, that Pete, he's onto something. I think I'll take some of my money and free time because it's going to take a lot of money and free time to research all the election laws that you're going to need." To, to know about or hire a lawyer in order to do the research for you on the various different sure, states. Sure, but you're, you're making all these assumptions uh, about what I am or what I'm not going to do. But hopefully, if you guys have any listeners, maybe some persons will tell you what. Uh, hook you up let with us know me. how that goes. But, I mean, but that's let us know how it's going, Pete, life. when uh, when you decide to do something. If you decide to do something. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. It's Free Talk Live. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial in toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Tonight, it is Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Hey, if you enjoy this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can do that by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for as little as three bucks a month. We'll take the money in, reinvest it into the show, get on more radio stations across the country, bring more internet listeners on board, and expose new people to the ideas of freedom 
amp.freetalklive.com. You get perks, too, like access to the AMP-only commercial-free podcast, the AMP-only call-in lines, forum, and more. Get all the details. Get signed up with PayPal or any major credit card or alternative options at amp.freetalklive.com. Just a few more thoughts uh, for Pete in California. Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know whether we were being jerks or whether Pete was being overly sensitive, but, you know, I, I guess my uh, thoughts on this are um, when you bang your head against a wall enough times and then somebody comes and suggests something that sounds like banging your head against a wall, like you just don't think it's a good idea. And yeah, you say, oh, I've had enough of that headbanging. Thank you right. very much. Uh, you know, <laughs> good luck. To me, to me anything that, that says, um, you know, let's get a third party and do – yeah, like I'm stopped at third party. Yeah. Uh, like, that's where the brakes are. I think the Libertarian Party on a national level is a great idea for education. and It may and, and it's, it was a good idea until the uh, neocons took it over. It would still be a great idea if the – and I think that there's still a possibility of it being taken back by the uh, the Radical Caucus or whatever. They're trying their best. They are, and, and it could happen, right? It could. You know, it's only been it was only one election, Ian. You and know? even if they do successfully take it back over, they still face all of the hurdles of a third party. Right. It's not. It's, so now they have. It's the, not. In, 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 it's not their intention to get elected as a as president or anything like that. I don't think that it's. It, you know, it, it, I don't think that's reasonable. I, I absolutely agree. So for our listeners just tuning in, we had uh, Paul, or excuse me, Pete. I keep calling him Paul. Pete in California, who had called in to propose this idea of a new third party. And they would only focus in certain areas that somebody would choose, uh, allegedly Pete, even though Pete ended up saying that he didn't want to be the one to do this. Wasn't that what it sounded like to you, that Pete really wasn't interested in, in, in running forth with his idea? I know what it's a great – I know what it feels like to have an idea, a great idea that you wish somebody else would do. I had that for the yeah. Free State Project and the completion campaign. I realized nobody was going to do it. Nobody had what it took to do it besides me and uh, you know, or wanted to do it, so I had to do it. And I've, I've been working on it. I, you know, at this point, I'm I'm stopped by PayPal because they don't want to release my account. But um, oh my. yeah, it's just a pain. They'll they'll get it undone. Some I accidentally called it a nonprofit, and then they wanted paperwork, and it was jammed. It's jammed oh, been God. jammed up for weeks. Got it. So so Pete's proposing this new third party that would focus only in certain congressional districts with the purpose of electing Which is a neat idea. A handful of people uh, to go in and be Dr. Nose in uh, in Congress and try to stop the uh, the further growth of the state through the congressional uh, means. And like you say, Mark, you know, it's a fine plan uh, when until you start looking at the at the details. And as they say, uh, the devil is in the details. And in the, as far as the details of getting a third party started, just the, just I, I mean, I, it's hard for me to even envision the process. I imagine you have to do some research into each state's uh, laws as far as what it takes to officially create a third party. Then you'd have to go through those steps, however long of a uh, and involved of a process that takes. I don't know how costly it is. There are a lot of question marks here for me because I've never done this research. I don't know. What it's like in different states, the requirements will be different. So you'll have to do all of that research all over again, different paperwork in every state, different filing fees, all of the, you know, and then, of course, once you become a third party, campaign finance rules, you've got campaign finance, you've got all kinds of various different laws that uh, then will apply to you as a political party, reporting requirements for all of your campaigns. This is a costly time-consuming endeavor. Any way you slice it, this is a costly, time-consuming endeavor. And you can say, well, let's just do a money bomb. Okay, great. Let's do a money bomb. Where do you get the names to do the money bomb to? 
you have to hire, buy a list somewhere, don't you? Don't you typically have to get access to somebody's list? You know, the guy that came up with the original money bomb for uh, for Ron Paul, Trevor Lyman, he's mm-hmm. he's got his list still, and he charges, you know, 500 bucks if you want to send an email out to, uh, to that list of 50,000 people. I mean, when all things are considered, it's probably not a bad price for the amount of names of uh, people who have actually donated to a campaign in the past of a liberty-minded person, Ron Paul. So it would be a, I would say, maybe something you could probably make your money back on, perhaps, if you could motivate them to be as excited about your idea as uh, as you are. And, uh, you know, I think that the reason the Ron Paul campaign worked was because it had Ron Paul in it. Yeah. You know, it had somebody, uh, you know, a, a guy that Someone people could credibility. get behind. Pers- yeah. uh, like I said, personality driven. It, it, uh, a track record, most importantly. Right. That's most true. importantly, people knew that Ron Paul, when he said something, he meant it. Now, if you could get Ron Paul to come on board with your uh, spoiler party idea, then you'd probably have it made. I mean, but he's he, he's pretty busy trying to be the most reputable uh, state uh, house, or excuse me, uh, uh, U.S. House uh, repre- of Representatives member out there. But I mean, not he's only busy. that, not only is he busy, Mark, but also he doesn't like the idea of third parties. I mean, if you remember his interviews from uh, his political campaign as to, well, you know, you used to run with the libertarians. Why are you running with the, re- the Republicans? He says things like, well, it's just too hard. It's just too difficult. So you can pretty much cross Ron Paul off your list of uh, of possibilities. And then you're looking at anybody else who is just not as, as doesn't have the profile. What are you going to do? Are you going to say, okay, well, I've got this great new idea, and I'm looking for seed money. We're going to do a money bomb for the spoiler party that doesn't exist. It's my idea, and I think it's a great idea, and so give give me some money. I don't have any big names to uh, to back me up, but we're going to do this thing. We're going to target these. It's hard for me to get excited by that. Maybe there's somebody out there listening to this that are listening. Obviously, we're not doing as good of a job describing it as, uh, as Pete might, but uh, you've been listening to this hour. Did you hear what Pete said? Were you getting jazzed up? Were you ready to uh, to contribute a hundred dollars or uh, maybe more to the the new spoiler party to make sure that it can be successful? Because you're going to have to have some seed money, and unless you're independently wealthy to uh, to kick it off, or you know somebody who's independently wealthy who's willing to pour a bunch of money in, you're going to go nowhere fast. Politics takes money. That's one of the reasons why it sucks so bad to do politics, because it is expensive. Travel expenses and advertising, and then trying to get into the debates. Good luck. You know, it was really interesting. You have to usually have perce- certain percentages in public opinion polls in order to be invited into a debate in the first place. So right. how do you, you know, chicken or the egg, how do you get there? I heard a recent interview with Jesse Ventura, who had won uh, the gubernator- gubernatorial election in... As a third party. As a third party candidate in Minnesota. Personality driven. And, and he, yeah, it was. But he said that a few weeks after he was elected, he was actually interviewed by the CIA. You know what they wanted to know? How he got elected. And huh. he says, I'm sure they wanted to make damn well sure that no didn't one else again. It didn't happen again. Exactly. Yeah. So, so please, by all means, give it a run. See how it works out. I mean, you can call back when you start your party up and let us know that it exists. But he doesn't want to. He wanted somebody else to do that. That's where it all falls apart then, doesn't it? <laughs> because we've, we've spent, you know, half the hour on this program here talking about this idea. We get through all oh, the details. we don't have anybody listening, though, Ian. Is that what he said? Did he say that? No, he said, if you have any listeners. And I, I felt it was a jab. Maybe maybe I'm super sensitive. I think he was <laughs> suggesting that uh, our listeners might be more interested than we are and that he was kind of it putting it true. out there. He was kind of putting the idea out there to the Free Talk Live listeners who he figure has more time and more or more money to spend on his idea uh, than he does. I mean, it would be like me getting on some internet forum and talking about my idea for a new radio show. It's radical. We're going to open up the phones. We're going to talk about liberty. Uh, we're going to 
it's doing. hard enough to get funding now when we're on, uh, you know, 75 stations or so. It's going to be a national thing. Remember, Mark, um, here's something. It's just Let's let's rewind the clock here a little bit and look in the beginning, uh, the genesis, if you will, of Free Talk Live as a syndicated program. We've been doing uh, Free Talk Live for a couple of years on local radio down in Sarasota, Florida, when I was given the opportunity or I found the opportunity to get the show syndicated. And so we went ahead with that. And I said, yeah, you know, I've got some savings. I'm going to do this because it was my idea. I wanted to run with it. So even though it was my idea and I was doing it, I was trying my best to get as much support as I possibly could. I mean, like, wow, this is great. A liberty-oriented program, radio program. I mean, there are a handful of them out there across the country in local markets. But a real liberty-oriented program that's been syndicated, this is a great opportunity for people who want to spread the liberty message. So I figured, well... I was still involved to some, to some extent with the Libertarian Party back then. I hadn't quit. I hadn't become totally burned down on it. And I figured, man, the Libertarian Party would love to know about this. So I made a point of calling up the uh, the National Libertarian Party and, you know, pitching them the idea as far as w- wanting them to get behind us. I Not mean, for money. God's sakes, there's two Libertarians on a nationally syndicated radio right. show. I figured Here's maybe, an opportunity. I figured maybe I could get, uh, you know, a newspaper article. They have the, this LP News thing that they send out to their membership. I figured I could get some publicity out of it, uh, bring some listeners on board, get them excited, get them to call their local radio stations, and, and you know, really get things going. I mean, I've been a longtime member of the Libertarian Party. I've been a, a life member, of the, which means I've given them, you know, a $1,000 contribution at some time in the past. And they, you know, they didn't give a damn. Yeah, they basically ignored us. Right. So I had to, you know, hit the phones myself and, and call all the stations and slowly bring stations on. And yeah. now here we are 70 uh, stations later. Yeah, I've let me know up the, on the LP. But. Now I want to know when the money bomb comes, right? Tell me about the free the, the free talk live money bomb because it still hasn't hit. Well, you'd have to do that, Mark, if you wanted to do a money bomb. Bah. We do AMP instead. Instead of a one-time blast, we try to keep it consistent over months. All right, more coming up here. Hour 2 is on the way. It's free talk live. Notorious space pirate Phoebus Crumb had retired to a frontier world, only to see it destroyed by raiders. Now, Crumb has given a new ship, a new crew, and a dangerous new mission. Infiltrate deep within enemy territory and destroy a deadly dreadnought that threatens the balance of galactic power. Follow the illustrated adventures of L. Neil Smith's Phoebus Crumb online now at bigheadpress.com slash pk. Talk Live. We are launching into the second hour of the program. You're invited to take control of the airwaves. Dial in via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. And uh, features like our archives going all the way back to the beginning of 2009 in our podcast all free for you. Just look right there on the front page. You don't have to log in or anything like that. It's just free at freetalklive.com. All right, so we're going to continue taking your phone calls about what you want. Coming up, cops beat somebody for no reason whatsoever. We'll uh, talk about what happened, and uh, we'll go to your phone calls first, though. Let's go to Mike listening in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Hey, guys. How you doing? Mike, what's on your uh, mind tonight? Uh, well, first I want to say I love your show. I'm getting completely hooked. Um, Careful now. It, 
you know, I'm kind of making the transition over from the, uh, you know, neoconservative radio to, uh, you know, the guys that put their money where their mouth is, and that seems to be you guys. So um, I-, I wanted to touch on a subject that you guys were talking about last night that kind of hit a nerve with me. Uh, and sure. I think that a lot of the American public is very ignorant of, and that's this, um, you know, this, this, I call it the business of criminal justice in America. That's what they call and, it. And, uh, What's that? That's what they call it. They call it business. I think it's very well, funny. Well, it is. A, it, they run it like a business, and um, you know, you, you guys kind of touched on a little bit with how people tend to plead out. Uh, you know, you, you really don't have a choice, and it, it's kind of set up that way. In my own personal experience with the, the system, as, as you know, I've, I've experienced that myself. Uh, when I you say that you don't to, have a choice, what do you mean by that? Well, uh, like you said, uh, normally, you know, what they'll, well, my experience has been, at least what I've seen, is normally the police will tend to charge you, overcharge you, um, uh, you know, with a felony at first, and this gives the prosecutor some leeway to kind of cut you a deal, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. um, to kind of push you through the system. So the cops will normally start out with the highest possible charge that they can give you, which usually, you know, winds up in the felony range. Uh, you'll wind up in court. Prosecutors will sweeten the deal by bringing bringing it down to a misdemeanor if you just plead out. Uh, you're basically faced with two options. You can either, you know, try and bring your case to, you know, before a jury, which um, you'd be an idiot. You'd, you'd almost be a fool to because you'd be putting your entire life on the line. I mean, you'd be risking well, jail time, losing everything. I mean, that's what, that? they, that's what they certainly want you to believe, that you'd be foolish to take this to trial. I mean, uh, oh, you could oh, die Ian, and go to jail. I, look, I, I do not trust juries to come back with, uh, with a, that's with a right. just it's verdict. That's right. It's like a 50-50 chance on it, a jury. You never I don't know, know what, what percentage they're going to come back is. with. I don't know what the percentage is, but it isn't that great. Right. I, I understand what you're saying, but, Mark, it's not that great because nobody really ever goes to trial to even find out what would they happen. They design the jury system to get the most mush-headed, uh, you know, locks step bumper sticker uh, uh you know patriots uh, americans out there in in, in place so you're saying people should take plea bargains then Mark? no i'm telling you that it's the whole system stinks i understand that yeah. so on one hand you're saying the system stinks but you're saying don't take the plea bargain i'm not saying that i'm saying don't take the, the plea bargain i'm not well, saying let's that- just say that most let's just say that you know 95 percent of americans would be very skeptical you know very hesitant to, to push it i mean unless you had a sure lot of money would. I mean, you know, you're talking about people living from paycheck to paycheck mostly. Uh, they can't afford to take that much time, you know, or lose that much time out of work. Yeah, you're talking about ruining your life, basically. Sure. And and they they it's it's just be, you know they 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 put this little they dangle this little carrot in front of your face. Right. And most people take it. Right. And then you um, contribute by taking the carrot. You contribute to ruining it, your life bit know, by bit over time. It's, right. It's a, it's a horrible. It's a horrible system. And um, well, can, hang I on remember one second here, I. Mike. I Mike, I want to find out what my co-host is saying, Mark. What, what are you I'm saying? trying to tell you is that taking the plea bargain is like staying on a burning ship, and that going, uh, that taking g- taking the jury trial is like jumping through some water uh, that has alligators in it to get out. You don't have a good option. No, there isn't the jump pack option. There There's isn't no one. good option. And unfortunately, the the most the most devastating part of this whole thing is that in order for you to be put into this quagmire of uh you know potential risk to your future 
the, all the police have to do is meet the the lowest threshold, which is probable cause. Mm-hmm. Meaning, you know, I heard I heard these police were being recorded one time, and and they were joking around, saying to each other. But I think it's very telling of the entire system. They said, "You may beat the rap, but you can't beat the ride." Meaning. The lowest possible threshold for them to arrest you and put you into this system is probable cause. So while you may beat the rap, meaning if you're able to go through trial and go through court and appeals and hire lawyers, you may beat the rap, but you're not going to beat the entire process that you have to go through to get to that point. You're absolutely right. It's like Mark Stevens. You're right, Mike. Having to post bond, having to go through all that, you know, the the stigma that's attached with being put in prison. You are absolutely right. It's just like Mark Stevens says from Adventures in Legal Land at markstevens.net in his book, which I'm reading again right now, by the way. Uh, it's a great book. But in his book, he points out that whenever you deal with bureaucrats, you're going to lose. And especially right. when you're dealing with the people calling themselves the police and the court system, you're going to lose big time. Even if you do end up taking it to trial and by some miracle end up winning, you've still lost all the things you're pointing That's out. That's right. You've lost. You've, you've lost, lost time, and, and, you've and lost money, you've lost perhaps even your reputation. It, but I think if more Americans got arrested, <laughs> they'd be they'd be more familiar with this process, but unfortunately most aren't. Oh, well, now Which, that's changing. A lot of Americans well, these days have been I, arrested. I wanted to expand, too, on what you guys said about how um, there's, there's no risk to the prosecutor. Now, the prosecutor, here's what I've seen personally. The police will, the police, the police benefit by highballing the charges because what they get to do is they get to inflate their crime statistics, which is usually tied to their budget. So they get to say, well, we made 500 and X amount number of felony arrests last year. This crime is rampant in the city. We need X amount of more, more dollars officers. to fight yep. such and such crime. Yep. So it benefits the police to trump up the charges because that gets to make that that allows them to get more money for the next year's budget because the more crime they show, the more the mm. more need there is. Then the prosecutor will get the case. The prosecutor has absolutely no incentive whatsoever to drop the charges. It's in their best interest to just take everything to trial because they have nothing to lose while you stand everything to lose. So they 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 usually have the you know they usually put you on they'll, they they dangle the carrot of the uh, plea bargain. You don't take it, they don't care. They're going to take you to trial anyway because they have nothing to lose. You, they're not going to be out thousands of dollars. They have all the power of the state behind them. Yep. They're not going to go to jail. They're not going to lose anything. That's a depressing well, scene. That, actually, um, I, I'd like to and, point and, out that there is too, wait, that, wait 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 um, Mike the, uh, the there is one thing prosecutors don't like losing and they don't like doing the work that it takes to go to trial so there is a disincentive for prosecutors to to take things to trial very small though but very the, small. right com- compared to losing uh, you know all the days at work that you would have and uh, you know the the livelihood and going to jail and all that other stuff it's not much compare but, that though i'm sorry to interrupt yeah, i know we have limited time here compare that though to the, to the incentive they have to take it to trial, because if they just drop it and something happens, like you go out and re- reoffend, they're gonna, they're the media will pounce on them and they're gonna look that like they didn't do their job. Yeah, but usually, but they, usually on in most cases, I mean, the media is not paying attention. The media is not paying attention. Well, to, the incentive for them to go to trial always is in their favor because 
At oh yeah. If, you, if the you, jury, if the jury acquits them, and you go out and reoffend, the prosecutor is completely, uh, you know, held harmless because he's well. I didn't, I didn't let them go. You know, your, the jury your analysis here, Mike, is spot on, and I have to thank you for the call tonight. And it's really the reason why two things are very important because everything he said is absolutely right on. Number one, liberty-minded people have to get together. The Free State Project, bringing people together, the people who are willing to take things to trial, who are willing to stand up, people like Sovereign Curtis, who's willing to face felony, he's going to trial on felony charges when he probably would be given a, a plea bargain and, you know, may take, you know, if he, if he takes it, it'll probably be easier on him, but not in the long run. If people keep taking the plea bargains, things just keep getting worse. Get to point number two in a moment. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Boost Kid Essentials, the nutritionally complete drink with 25 essential vitamins and minerals and probiotics to help support your child's healthy growth. Visit us at kidessentials.com. Calling certain foods bad or good doesn't go very far in helping kids understand about balanced diets. Discuss the powers of foods. Carrots are good for your eyes. Fish keeps your heart strong. And how they work together to help kids grow, and they'll remember it even better. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Dial in toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you all the features on our site for free, including our wiki with over 2,000 pages, created by listeners like you, WIKI Wiki. FreeTalkLive.com will get you there, and you need to know about the Free State Project. Your best chance at achieving liberty in your lifetime, it's in New Hampshire with other people that want to achieve liberty in their lifetime. Hundreds have made the move so far from all across the country, in some cases from around the world, here to New Hampshire in order to get active for liberty. Thousands of people have pledged to make that move. Over 10,000 people are pledged to uh, to be in New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. As soon as the as soon as we reach 20,000 members, that will trigger the official move. But people are moving sooner rather than later. Mark, myself, we moved a few years ago. Wayne, you moved a few a uh, few years a couple of years before us. And uh, there, are, as I said, hundreds of people are already here. There are all kinds of wonderful things happening. We promised we would tell uh, our earlier caller some of the successes of the Free State Project, and I uh, neglected to get to that point. Uh, so, Mark, if you've got a quick recap of what you think are some, do you want to start worthy... with uh, old ones or new ones? I don't know. Whatever. Okay. Well, I've got uh, I've got some new ones. We don't here. have a whole lot of time. So. <laughs> okay. Well, I, and I don't. Uh, State House successes a bill to stop law enforcement from abusing the wiretapping law, which is New Hampshire is one of those uh, two-party states where you have to everybody has to know that you're being wiretapped. Uh, that made it through the House. Um, a bill creating a primary fence seatbelt law was uh, killed uh, in the Senate. The medical marijuana bill passed both the House and the Senate. Um, these are just uh, 2009 legislative updates. Uh, marriage inequality in New Hampshire uh, was, uh, you know, basically gay marriage passed in New Hampshire, which, you know, say what you want about that particular issue. If one group of people is able to contract to live with each other, then it seems to me that all groups of people should be able to uh, to, to do so. And those are just the 2009 um, updates I've got uh 2006, 2007 here also. Where are you getting that from for people that want to go and maybe get it themselves? I have the – what they need to do is they need, either need to go and sign up as a friend of the Free State Project at freestateproject.org or sign up as a participant at freestateproject.org. You can't see the, the successes unless you sign up as a friend? That I got them. I got – well, 
look, man, you didn't ask me to find a place where people can go okay, find them. Just you asked you, me right? for what the successes yeah, were. Just, I have the, I have them in my email had box. It. Oh, okay. It is an email that I got from the, the gotcha. you know from the Free State. Project. I would imagine that exists somewhere on their on their yeah. website. It's it's, a, it's an exhaustive it's website. A big it's, website. <laughs> so go sign up as a friend at freestateproject.org. I if you think wanna... that for, for me, Mark, the the legislative things are like eh, piddly, but I, the, t- there's something. What I think is more exciting is that there are hundreds of people here that are that are doing things that are leading to results like some of the legislative things you mentioned. The New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, right. to me, is far more exciting as an organization in general than maybe some of the legislation that they get behind. It's an organization of, of volunteers that was is, was created in many ways by free staters, people that moved here uh, to to achieve more liberty, and they're doing some amazing things. They're they're looking at all the different pieces of legislation. They're grading them, uh, many of them, on how they uh, will affect the the status of liberty in right. New Hampshire. They're grading the legislation. They're grading the legislators. It's a tremendous project. And they're giving the legislators a gold sheet on how to vote on each particular issue <laughs> if it's they want to vote for liberty. What they do. Yeah. yeah. So I mean that alone right there is a pretty big project, and it's become really successful, and it's getting more successful of course there's also a lot of civil disobedience and non-cooperation happening up here so much media being created i mean you've got free talk live you've got obscuredtruth.com you've got freemindsmedia.org uh you've got anarchyinyourhead.com you've got television we've got radio we've got newsprint we've got uh cartoons so and and now coming soon i know dale uh from anarchyinyourhead.com is is working on putting together a movie like an actual film feature film so there's gonna be filmmaking uh going on up here so there's a lot happening, more than we can uh, we can tell you about in in one 10 minute segment. We're not going to spend the whole segment on this. So just wanted to get that out there. You can go to freestateproject.org to learn more about it. But that was the second point of what I was uh, wanted to uh, to discuss here, because we were talking with Mike about how the uh, well, it was actually the first point, but we were talking with Mike about the court system and how they just screw people and that everything is in favor of the state. Nothing, uh, virtually nothing, is in favor of uh, you, the defendant. If they come after you, you're going to lose no matter what you do. Even if you end up winning in the long run by taking it to trial and somehow being found uh, not guilty, you still lose all that time and that money and that effort that you would have otherwise have been spending on things that you like to do. Uh, so it's just a lose-lose proposition any way you slice it. However, there are some things that can make things better as far as the court system is concerned. that can maybe sway things a little bit in your favor, and that is getting together with other like-minded people, a la the Free State Project, and then within that group of like-minded people – Encouraging people to not plead guilty. And that does involve some level of risk, especially if we're talking about felonies and that sort of thing. But even not pleading guilty on things like misdemeanors and violations, it's easier to do it in those in those cases. It's not as scary. And uh, if down the line you you know, you don't want to uh, you don't want to go to jail, you can usually pay a, um, pay uh, you know, money to the, the local charities or, or go and volunteer to the local charities. So you don't have to put money into the state's coffers. That's in the case of misdemeanors or, viola- or probably violations mostly. And also, if you're going to take something to trial, you probably should know the, the rules of trial. And the best way to do that is jurisdictionary at jurisdictionary.com. Uh, you can pick up the uh, the set. I think it's it's about two hundred dollars. And uh, in inside 24 hours, you will um, you know, the, the average person can pick up, you know, basically understand the entire legal system and how to use it for but their it, advantage. But if you're going it alone, I don't blame anybody for taking a plea bargain and and just trying to minimize the damage. Up here, you can you, you can have more success 
if we get together and we refuse to obey and we refuse to plea out, then the court system becomes overclogged. And then at some point they have to start giving up on charges. They have to start dropping charges because they're not going to be able to build courts and hire uh, cops fast enough if enough people start disobeying and refusing to go along uh, with the with the scam. But there's another counter trend there, and that is that a lot of towns have had to and cities have had to actually lay off police officers and can't hire them because of budgetary Budgets. problems. Sure. I mean, they're so, already on the on the brink of disaster here in New Hampshire. Exactly. As far as their courts. Yeah, that's the court system. And I think that the court system is the weak link. Um, you know, if you can go in there, if you take your stuff to trial, it costs them a fortune. Whatever it is that they're getting from you, it's nothing compared to, to, to what they spend trying to uh, take you through through the system, especially if you know something like, uh, you know, having taken jurisdictionary and you know you can move the court and stuff like well, that. And remember that in many cases, they don't actually have a case. The government is just posturing in a lot of uh, the, for the prosecutor and the police. They don't, in many cases, don't have the right evidence they need to convict you or they uh, they just don't have their i's dotted and their t's crossed or they you know they've mistake they made some mistakes somewhere that you may not know about until you get the discovery until you actually start looking into uh, to going to trial in those cases you'll never get all that stuff you'll never find that out if you just take the plea bargain if you take the plea bargain they don't have to do any work they don't have to prove anything and the other point about uh, that I wanted to make was about the CD Evolution Fund. We talked about Curtis, Sovereign Curtis, who is uh, is going to be taking a marijuana distribution charge to trial. It's a felony charge, and the CD Evolution Fund is getting behind Curtis. So Mike mentioned that one of the problems with taking things to trial is that it's costly. Well, if we can get together, again, bring people who are like-minded together, and they don't have to be physically for the CD Evolution Fund. You can be across the world and donate to the CD Evolution Fund to help out those activists who do have the courage to take these things to trial. CDEvolution.org is where you can go to learn more about the Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund. You can uh, contribute on a monthly basis to the fund. You can also drop some money into a pot specifically for Sovereign Curtis. Uh, you can do that over at cdevolution.org. So that's an important tool that's going to help tip the scales a little more in the favor of the liberty activists. There's more coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live amplifiers get access to higher quality archives free of commercial breaks and other perks. Join AMP for just $3 per month at amp.freetalklive.com. you want by dialing in toll-free 800-259-9231 the SACL CAI toll-free line 800-259-9231 join us online at freetalklive.com give you the features on our site for free shrine of female listeners is one of those things in fact there's a whole bunch of stuff there that we give away the the uh, the front page of the website in fact is uh, totally redesigned here for 2010 it is ftl 2.0 that allows you the listener to become a uh, an influence in what we talk about on the air from our show prep perspective. You can always call in and bring up anything, but as far as the stuff that we bring to the table to maybe start the discussion out with, uh, we usually get that. We used to get it from different sources on the Internet. Now our own website has become our primary show prep resource because listeners like you are going to freetalklive.com. You create an account. It's free, of course, and then you can submit whatever show prep ideas you want. So submit a news story uh, from some website or a video or... Or a, Even your own blog post. Yeah, your own blog, whatever you want. You can submit it, and then other listeners will look at it, and they'll vote it up or vote it down, depending on how they feel. And you can vote up and vote down other things. 
And then the most popular stories make it to the front page of the site, meaning it's more likely that Mark and myself will see those stories and select them for the stuff we'll talk about. And even if we don't select it, other people get to see what you think is interesting and you get to see what they think is interesting. It becomes a real community of people uh, sharing interesting stuff. And in many cases, outrageous stuff. A lot of times, the stories are just absolutely outrageous. Yeah, I can't uh, imagine how many stories we've missed throughout the years. And I don't think we're missing as many of these outrageous stories. No, I think, I think you're right about that. Uh, so head on over to freetalklive.com. 800-259-9231 is the number here. We continue with your calls. And go to James, listening in North Carolina, over our studio cam. Brought to you by memorydealers.com at cam.freetalklive.com. Hello, James. Uh, it's great to chat with you guys. What's on your mind tonight, James? Uh, just a, I'm going to blitz through a couple uh, comments and uh, get some uh, responses from you guys. I just want to say I, I'm about uh, three years uh, into the freedom uh, slash liberty movement. Kind of got snowballed into it. Uh, saw uh, Ron Paul on TV. I got inspired by that. Uh, I've been listening to you guys now for about two months, and you know, I got to say, Free Talk Live, uh, the Free State Project. You guys are my heroes. Uh, hopefully in the next year or two, I hope to be up there and uh, join you guys in the for the cause. And uh, that's great. That's then, why, uh, by the I way, got... just to our earlier caller who was asking, well, the Free State Project, he seemed shocked that the Free State Project was actually being successful. It's people like you is why the Free State Project is a success, is that people like you are willing to come and, and literally pick up your lives wherever it is that you are. You're in North Carolina and make the move to New Hampshire to, uh, to get active and, and plug yourself into a whole new community of, uh, of new friends that you don't even know yet. I mean, that's an incredible uh, level of dedication to the ideas of, of liberty, and that's why it's going to work out. Uh, yeah, and I kind of wanted to address uh, the uh, chairman of the uh, Spoiler Project uh, caller earlier, uh, the <laughs> okay. guy who's starting the uh, Spoiler. Well, no, uh, he won't start party. it. He just wants to throw the idea out in yeah. hopes that somebody else will pick it up and run with it and pour their money and time into his idea. Exactly. I understand his frustration. Uh, I got involved uh, locally here uh, in central North Carolina, just outside of Raleigh, the next county over, and uh, I understand his frustration. And uh, I've actually uh, did like a year-and-a-half-long uh, uh, radio Internet show. Uh, we interviewed uh, local politicians, you know, uh, held their uh, feet to the fire, if you will. And uh, essentially, uh, I, had, I had a lot of uh, g- uh, good things happen through that. I had some bad things. Uh, what you said earlier, Ian, about the, uh, the, uh, free, uh, the Libertarian Party, i got to agree with you. Uh, on that, because I had uh, two similar encounters with the Libertarian Party. Uh, we interviewed everybody that ran for county commissioner uh, here locally where I'm from. Uh, all the Republicans, all the Democrats came on our radio show, answered our questions, stayed on with us for an hour. Uh, but the uh, two state representatives, both Republican and Democrat, came on our show, were interviewed for an hour. But the Libertarian uh, uh, Party person didn't even respond to our emails. <laughs> what? So, ex- exactly. You'd think they'd want any exposure they could get. We had maybe about 100 to a, to 200 listeners. Uh, the other thing, they how they kind of uh, uh, looked over what I was trying to do, I wanted to uh, run uh, for uh, Libertarian Party for county commissioner. Mm-hmm. I sent them an email asking the North Carolina Libertarian Party, uh, could you maybe give me a little guidance, a point of reference? And... Uh, that didn't go over so well either. Got no response from them on that. But uh, so I, I definitely agree with what Ian said about you know trying to work within the system, and it it just seems like it it doesn't work out. And uh, the final thing I wanted to say, you ha- you guys had a caller uh, about 
uh, a week or two ago, and uh, he brought up the, the video that you, you, you guys did. Uh, you were in it, Ian. It was about 38 minutes where you interviewed uh, the uh, town. Uh, oh, good God, town, yes. This awful, and, awful and, and you kind of wrote video. that off, though. Uh, and I agree with the caller. I think uh, you kind of wrote it off as not really a big deal, an important video. You thought it, it wasn't that great. I, I disagree with you. I think it was an important video because, like, like I said earlier, I, I have been involved locally. I have, you know, been in close contact with people here within the county, uh, trying to ask them questions and get hard answers, and and that's essentially what you guys did. And so, I, to write that video or that uh, video clip off so easily, I do I disagree with you. I think that was a very important video. And the, well, the final thing you, I wanted to say, uh, the, the, I want some advice from you here because I, I plan to uh, do something similar to what you did in that uh, 38. Uh, 38-minute clip. Uh, I want to go address the uh, county commissioners. I've done this uh, several times on issues before. Attended, you know, many many county meetings to uh, to get answers and uh, see what exactly happens locally, like what you guys do. And uh, it's an issue. I have two vehicles. Uh, one of them I have registered. Everything's groovy. Uh, but the, my other vehicle, I, I'm not. I'm going to do pretty much like you said. Uh, I've heard you speak to uh, clogging up the court system, you know, non-compliance. I totally agree with that. Uh, you know, what are you, you going to do? Uh, basically, I'm going to ask them to their face, you know, I don't want any of your, of your county services. I don't see that you have any right to claim uh, over my vehicle. I paid for it uh, the day I bought it. Uh, it's not yours. Are you going to send your uh, thugs with badges to come steal my vehicle if I don't pay your $20 uh, you know, uh, vehicle ransom uh, is what I call is it. it, is it 20, I know the answer. Well, the, yeah, the answer <laughs> is they're probably going to take your car. Uh, but is the $20 a registration? Is that the yearly registration fee there in North Carolina? I, well, it's, it's, yeah, it's just the property tax value of, of one of my vehicles. I want to keep one, you know, uh, that I could drive around and not have to worry about anything. Sure. But the other one I just want to use. So you're expecting them to take your car then, right? Uh, you know, I would like to see it go through court because uh, we had a, a letter a letter to the editor. In but our, first, they're uh, going to take your car. I mean, it, if, before it goes to court, they're going to likely either take your car and impound it or force you to tow it. I got lucky. They uh, they had me tow it back to my house, so I didn't have it impounded, uh, which would have cost me extra. But the tow don't cost forget me you'll have to bucks. take the the impounding to uh, court too because they'll try to charge you for the uh, the uh, storage fee while it uh, while it wheedles its way through court. Yeah. Um, and and it's quite possible they'll sell your vehicle before you ever get to court. So, okay, so that that definitely helps me out because I, I figured that it would be uh, proceedings in court before uh, before actually they act, took the vehicle no, away. No, what's what's likely going to be the case? If you drive is, it, they're going to take right, it. If you them. right, if you decide that you're going to make a, you're going to essentially protest their registration fee or their their property taxes, you call it vehicle ransom. Yeah, well, that's what it is. You're right. Uh, if you decide you're going to protest that, then they're basically going to uh, deregister your car, or they're going to they're going to call it expired registration. And then if you continue to drive it around, at some point, some cop's going to be behind you. He's going to run the tag, and he's going to find out that that's an expired tag, and you're going to get pulled over, and you'll be charged with uh, with some sort of crime about using expired tags. At that point, then you can take that to uh, to court. Uh, or yeah, because you you'll still have a, a legitimate driver's license likely, so they can't hit you with uh, driving while suspended, but they will have uh, hit you with driving a unregistered vehicle on the roads of uh, of North Carolina and the tow fee. 
And yeah, and then you'll get towed and maybe you'll you'll have the car impounded. So you'll likely have to shell out a couple hundred bucks in order to get your car back into your possession. And then you'll have to spend whatever time and money is uh, is necessary to do it. What I would suggest to you is that rather than making waves in North Carolina, if you're planning on coming here, save your money. Save the hundreds of dollars that you would spend on this effort. Uh, put that money towards making the move to New Hampshire and then join the Freedom to Travel folks up here because there are a handful of us here and we'd love to have more. That's good advice. Uh, and, and you might even find an issue that's, hey, more important. More coming up. Free t- Do you need a new computer but don't seem to have the money to buy one? Is your credit stopping you from buying the newest computers that you need today? Then My Computer Club is your answer to buy that new computer or laptop now and pay for it later. Finance top quality new computers and laptops and hundreds of other electronics. There are no credit checks, no turndowns. If you're 18 years or older and have proof of income, you're approved. Prices start at just $22 a month. Go to MyPCCredit.com and finance your new computer today. That's MyPCCredit.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website. And if you like all the features at freetalklive.com, you like this way uh, this radio program, you want to help support Free Talk Live, shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. So start your shopping at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. If you're looking to make a major purchase here in the the next uh, month or two, you need to go to CleaningCredit.com first. If you have foreclosures, bankruptcies, judgments, liens, collections, uh, late payments, or any other kind of derogatory uh, reporting on your credit report... It's going to cost you thousands more. You may not even know it's there um, because credit, the credit reporting agencies make mistakes all the time. But cleaningcredit.com can help you get them removed. They'll dispute uh, all the derogatory credit on your credit report. And it's a law firm, and they've been uh, they've been part of the Better Business Bureau for more than six years. This isn't some kind of fly-by-night operation that's uh, just going to take your money and run. It's cleaningcredit.com. That's cleaningcredit.com. All right, 800-259-9231. We just had a conversation with James in North Carolina who is very excited and new to the ideas of liberty. He said within the past few years he found Ron Paul and you know, since has found Free Talk Live and the Free State Project and he wants to make the move to New Hampshire in the next year or two. And he's jazzed up. He's excited. He's hearing about all these cool things that are happening up here and, and uh, you know, he wants to uh, wants to taste it. He wants to get a part to become a part of that activism. But I think he was uh, a little too excited, a little bit too uh, rambunctious, perhaps. We've seen this uh, phenomenon before. People are excited about the idea of the activism that's going on up here. They think, I'll try a little bit where I am first before I go, and then things go poorly sometimes. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the idea of getting your feet wet into activism before you make the move to New Hampshire. I mean, I'd rather have an experienced activist than an inexperienced one uh, move here, but I'd rather have anybody move here than than nobody. Uh, but getting in, getting involved, I think, where you are should stop at personal risk to your finances and your freedom. Because if you don't have the support network that we have up here, and arguably the support network isn't really that huge, it's just better than what you've got where you are, and it's getting better over time as more people come here, as more people contribute to cdevolution.org, and we continue to grow this movement. If you do some sort of uh, whatever it is, even if it's just doing uh, you know, fully informed jury association or pointing a camera at a cop, any level of activism at some point 
the more disobedient, the more non-cooperative it is, the more risky it's uh, it's going to be for you. And the fewer people you have around to support you, the more likely you're just going to quietly disappear off the map, and nobody's going to even know about it. Uh, nobody that uh, that could do anything to help you is going to be around you. So you'll be you will be going it alone, most likely. Maybe a couple of hardcore friends of yours will stick by you uh, as you go to court or as you go through whatever it is that the government people put you through, but you're not really making an investment in the future of liberty. It's just more of an investment in your own personal uh, sensation about feeling like an activist. There's not. It's not likely that going and getting arrested for, uh, you know, for whatever it is in in North Carolina or California or whatever is going to do anything to uh, to advance liberty. So, and I'm not saying that that we're advancing liberty real fast here by getting arrested in New Hampshire, but to some extent, I can point to things where it's made a difference. I mean, the the 420 celebrations that are happening every single day, it cost a few arrests, but now the cops don't mess with the 420 celebrations anymore. I think, that and if, they don't mess with us with the video cameras at all here in in Keene, New Hampshire these days. I think that if it, what you can do where you are is that if you do have a run in with the police or whatever, you take whatever it is, the speeding ticket, the traffic ticket, um, you know, the whatever misdemeanor violation thing is to court and. Uh, you can have an effect on the system that way. I don't know that driving, but it's or, minuscule. It's it's really not going to affect them that much because you don't have not as focused because you're not uh, you you don't have as many people doing it in one geographic area. There's that. But I do think that the court systems all over the United States are stressed, and if uh, people all over the United States take things like traffic tickets and and violations to court, then they're going to have a lot better. Uh, you know, it, it's going to work a lot better than most other activists. I tend to go the route of fly under the radar. Build your savings. I see what you're saying, Mark. Like, if you're going to stay where you are and you're not going to come to New Hampshire, then, okay, yeah, take some stuff to trial and have have fun with it. But if you're going to come here, your time is better spent investing in the move. I, and, I would not disagree with that. And planning for the move and reaching out to other people and encouraging them to make the move to New Hampshire, encouraging them to join the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. Spend your time focusing on making sure you're as financially sound for your move as possible and bringing others on board so perhaps you aren't moving alone. Perhaps you'll have a friend come up with you or your family's going to come with you or, or whatever you need to do to, to bring other people on board. Focus more on that. Stay below the radar. Maybe do some some assistance with uh, Liberty Outreach. Liberty Outreach is probably the safest activism you can do. If you get involved in politics, there's still a chance that some uh, politically connected uh, so-and-so is going to do something to you know, put a, a kibosh on your, uh, your career as a politician and maybe even go after you if you're like a business owner or something like that. Politics isn't necessarily the safest route. I would say creating media. That's something you can do where you uh, where you currently are, and something that you could per- perhaps transition up to to New Hampshire. Creating media is pretty safe, and doing outreach, so flyering uh, people, going to public events, getting uh, the ideas of liberty into people's hands, and of course, media counts as outreach as well. I would say outreach is likely the safest of all of the uh, the activist forms, and, and a good way to get practiced at talking to people, which is an important thing to know how to do. Uh, interacting with the public important to do, if, especially if you're going to be doing things like political activism or other types of uh, outreach when you get here to New Hampshire. So that's my recommendation. The other thing to consider is that when you come up here, even though the economy nationally is not that great, New Hampshire has one of the lower unemployment rates in the country. It's true. 800-259-9231. We continue with your phone calls. Uh, we're going to Frank in New York. Frank, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Frank in New York. Do we lose Frank? Frank going once. Frank going <laughs> twice. 
Okay, let's try instead. Uh, go to Zach in Minnesota on the amp line. Hello, Zach. Good evening, gentlemen. How's everyone doing? What's on, hey, your, what's on your mind, Zach? Uh, just a couple quick points. Um, I've, I've sensed uh, a recurring theme throughout tonight about problems with the court system. Uh, wondering what are some quick 10-second alternatives to that, because I can't really think of too many on my own. Alternatives to what specifically? I'm a little confused. Well, uh, a government-run court system. What are some free market, you know, more libertarian-oriented routes we can go with that? I'd recommend uh, picking up a copy of uh, Market for Liberty, which is a great book from the early 1970s. You can get it in PDF form or audiobook form at book.freekeen.com. And that's got a real good explanation of private arbitration and how uh, we can have competing companies, basically competing organizations offering arbitration service in a, uh, a free marketplace, arbitration services that are customized by the market, I mean, by competition and innovation, where these arbitrators are competing with one another based on uh, speed of service, based on accuracy of uh, you know the the results that uh, that they give out, uh, fairness of the the justice that they're dealing out, that kind of thing. And you get into questions about well, you know, how do you uh, make it so somebody goes to arbitration? That's where having a reputation rating system comes in uh, to where if you don't go to arbitration, then your reputation is ruined and that makes it more difficult for you to, uh, to live your life. And, of course, violent criminals, well, if you're, if you're violent and uh, there's evidence that uh, you know somebody is violent and that they have committed some sort of crime, you could always take the risk of uh, bringing them into custody and then you know the, they, they essentially give up their rights by violating somebody else's rights. But I think that, this, uh, that the court system and uh, you know, perhaps uh, you know, roads and uh, you know police officers security uh, I think these are uh, um, some of the um, and, and the monopoly the government has on on these things are some of the inner leaves of the government onion if, if, if you know what I mean that you don't start peeling with the judicial system I think that the, the probably the best way that we can help the judicial system today is to you know make it legal for people to own their own bodies uh, you know you don't take people uh, to court for prostitution or uh, you know doing drugs or gambling or things like that. If you could get the courts, uh, you know, if you could get the government out of those issues, the courts would be, uh, you know, hobbled by what it is that they that, that they can be brought to them and, and the ways that they can, uh, you know, affect people's rights and, and that kind of thing. So I think that that's probably the first and uh, biggest step that people can take. Does that answer your question, okay. Zach? Yeah, and that was kind of almost a segue into my second point. Uh, I've been more or less evangelizing the whole free state project, more or less, because uh, I'm I'm hoping to get out there by the end of next year. Boy, people must and, really think you're a cult member. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, <laughs> there's some people who think we're, they lump us in with those uh, tea partiers, mm. and they don't understand that it's different. But I get into debates with them, and it always comes up to infrastructure, the roads, the sewers, how they're already in place. We've already got roads. We're just going to have to continue uh, hurting people and aggressing against peaceful people for the rest of eternity because the roads already exist. There's already sewers in place. We'll get to that here if you want. Hang on, Zach. 800-259-9231. Because roads exist, we must continue to aggress against peaceful people. Doesn't make sense to me. There's more coming up here. Hour number three is on the way. Take control of the airwaves. Bring up anything. It's Free Talk Live. How long can you hold your breath? Not long. 
After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. Talk Live, and we are launching into the third hour of the program. You can take control of the airwaves, bring up whatever's on your mind. 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, again, freetalklive.com. Dot com. You know, I think that the, uh, the the most valuable people entering the liberty movement are the young people, and uh, there's you know been such an un- influx of young people uh, entering the liberty movement, and you know you got to wonder how young is it that you want to start educating people about liberty? Well, if you've got somebody uh, close to you, maybe you should get them the book called An Island Called Liberty. It is a it's simple story, graceful rhymes, and beautiful illustrations on every page will make it one of any child's favorites. It's kind of like Ayn Rand meets Dr. Seuss. Go to freemarketunderdog.com, see some samples, and order today. Get a 10% discount for Free Talk Live listeners with coupon code FTL. An Island Called Liberty, freemarketunderdog.com. All right, 800-259-9231. We're going to uh, bring Zach back from Minnesota. Zach, uh, for our listeners just tuning in, where were you going right before we uh, we went to the news break? Okay. Um, like I was saying before, uh, I get into these debates with uh, what I like to call the status, and it always comes back to infrastructure. It's either new development, putting in new roads, or those that already exist. Uh, I, I haven't really formed a good argument as far as transitioning that to private ownership as well as privately developing new roads. I I guess I'm just more of a minarchist. I would I don't know if there's any other option than some form of government and unfortunately therefore taxation. I just I don't have an alternative. So um let me let me give you a couple of ways to go with this. I, I, I kind of hold the minarchist banner here at Free Talk Live. I don't know if that I entirely uh, fit into that category, but whatever. Um first off what I often like to say to people is, okay, you trade me cops, courts, and roads for everything else. You get the government out of everything besides cops, courts, and causeways, and we'll call it we'll call it a day. Uh, you know, fine. Let the government stick with those things, and um, you know, you can you can let it rest there. However, there are many good arguments for the things that you're talking about. There are private roads all over the United States, and they work just fine. Um, roads could be auctioned off to the uh, the, the highest bidder. I, I know there's the the rich guy that wants to encircle your house and only let you get out by helicopter, but whatever. Um, you know that it's it's pretty. It would be pretty easy for court for roads to uh, 
to, to be to, to go privatized. I um, like the one that uh, allows each property owner to own the portion of road that abuts the property or that runs through their property. Yeah, because remember, um, most roads at some point or another, uh, you know, took a piece of property from someone and, uh, you know, as a right of way. And then, you know, so their, their property, they have been harmed at least sometime in the past. The property itself has been harmed. So, um, secondly, the uh, the idea of building new roads. This one, uh, you know, I did some research. At one at one point, I thought eminent domain was the only way you could build a road, and it's just not true. Um, the you can use what they call auction theory. Uh, you know, there's different ways to do auctions. So, if you have to run a, a road from point A to point B, you can make an offer to everybody between point A and point B that look, I'm willing to pay you this this amount per acre as long as everybody else along the way, uh, you know, w- will accept my offer. Then I'm, you know, I'll pay you this. And then, you know, everybody either chooses to do that or not. So you can make a contingent um, offer to the people between point A and point B that goes another direction, you know, slightly curves around or whatever to get around that cantankerous guy. You don't have to buy each individual piece of property along the way and then you run into a cantankerous guy who says, well, I'm not going to sell until you give me 10 times what my property's worth. You don't have to do that. You can just make offers to people um, contingent on other people buying. There's all kinds of contingencies in real estate. So So you're talking about one simple. You're talking about one way market. That the the marketplace can handle. No, that's how government could do it. (laughs) Okay, government could do that if they wanted to. (laughs) When you have your only tools, a hammer, uh, you know. Right, but that's the thing. You could take the hammer away from government, and they could still put in new roads. If the government doesn't have a hammer, it's just another market actor. No, it would if if they uh, right anybody else could put in should be able to put roads in right, if they want to do such the a The government thing. road company, what was formerly known as the city of fill in the blank, now building roads. Uh, right, on a but they could basis. still they could still forcibly extract funds from people in order to build the okay, road. Okay, then but, that's not taking the hammer away. If they're forcibly extracting no, funds, the hammer of eminent domain. We're talking, oh, I the, see. The government has a couple of different forceful hammers. Yeah. and the hammer called eminent domain gotcha. it doesn't need it. I see what you're saying. But it uses it because, well, you know, that's right? What it they might do. as well. Yeah, they it's, force people it's, to do. It's things. nice to be able to get things uh, cheaply. So does that does that give you something to, th- to chew on there, Zach? Well, that's be more than uh, before I called, but I'm still I just foresee some sort of monopoly like what is now the government. Again, I don't I don't know if there could really be competitors. I don't really see how that would work then, because what if Company A's road ends and now Company B's road picks up? Now you have to pay two companies. And who's you? you know, who's you have to pay? Other. When you say you have to pay two companies, who who are you referring to? Well, just if if all the roads were, you know, road service incorporated, and you had to pay, you know, so much per year to drive on their road. Okay, well, let, wait, let, wait, wait a minute. Wait let a minute. Hand, let, me, let me handle this one. Uh, being in advertising, this is a really simple one. Can you imagine if you owned a road, you'd be able to put, um, you know, as many billboards as you want up along it, along it, plus the fact that you could sell the road itself as an advertising venue? You don't need to pay for roads. Uh, the fact is that there's a lot of people that would be willing to, uh, you know, in the same way this radio show is brought to tens of thousands of people on the weekdays and hundreds of thousands of people on the weekends, they don't have to pay for it. Some government agent didn't have to come and forcibly extract money from them. We just get people that want to reach those ears and those eyes, 
Obviously, it's radio. It's only ears in this case. But in the roads, it would be eyes to, to pay for it. Tolls are such an old uh, kind of idea. I mean, they've been around for so long. It's kind of a governmental thing where the government's trying to recoup money. Allegedly, is why they start toll booths, and then they say they're going to take them away. And they, never they never stop. They never do. Uh, but, yeah, advertising is one way to support a road. Another way might be uh, – because when you talk about billboards, Mark, that kind of – I think that turns a certain type of person off. Somebody, right. somebody Pushy that, people that don't like people to be able to put up signs. Well, right, right. But, the, but I mean, I think there's something to be said to having a nice canopy road where you just see trees on the side and there's sure. not a bunch of advertisements. you could have scenic byways, and, and you're likely you'd have to pay for your scenic byway. The there's same that, way you have but, to pay okay, for Will uh, you let me pipes, explain parks. you here, okay? So, yeah, you, maybe you would, there would still be some toll roads. I'm not saying they would all go away. But on the other hand, maybe there would be an alternative way to, uh, to sponsor a road. Uh, perhaps maybe a road could simply be the Goodyear Highway. And it would have no, uh, you know, it would have zero billboards on it, and it would be pristine and all that, but it would be brought to you by Goodyear or something like that. You know, some sort of automotive uh, Toyota, the Toyota Superhighway. And everybody would call it those things, right? Well, we're going to take the Toyota Superhighway to go up north to the uh, stadium and see a game. Uh, they would they would be, used, would be essentially like the uh, the Sacral CII phone lines are here on, on this program. So that would be maybe one way to have like a big old sponsor for one road. It's a good that, way to uh, lose money. You're right. That, that a how do you know it would lose money, Mark? Man, I'm telling that? you, if you have all that real estate that belongs to you and there isn't any kind of government influence on it, you're going to put up signs in order to, to recoup the money. Roads are big, expensive projects. And the idea of one sponsorship... They're expensive and big because they are done by the government. Imagine how much cheaper it would be to build a road in the absence of the government monopoly. You'd have co- competition and innovation in, uh, in different types of roads. All I'm saying is for people that don't want to see billboards, there, Those there might be Those people are nosy and they need to stay out of other people's there lives. There might be there might be roads for them though too, Mark. I'm not saying that. All I'm telling you, Mark, is in the same way that there are organizations out there that like to uh, you know keep uh, private land. There might be a few, Ian. There may be, but it's very unlikely. When you're talking about two business business uh, plans, you know, one that looks like it's going to make a whole bunch of money, and the other one that doesn't. Meh. Sorry. It it's just depends idea. on what the market wants, Mark. If what the market is demanding is uh, is a road, the market I'm just demands trying to bring up, getting from here to there yeah. cheaply. I'm just trying to bring up <laughs> some objections to when you say billboards everywhere. I can hear people saying, "Oh God, the last thing I want is I drive somewhere is a bunch of billboards." Right. Everywhere. Well, to that person, I say, "Hey." You know what you're doing in order to pay for your road? You're forcing other people to get what you want. No, and that's not force. a nice way to do it. I didn't say it. force. I said that's that what we currently have. Right. Those people that don't like billboards understand that your plan really isn't going to work, and they have to force other people. I see. There you go, Zach. hope that answers your questions. Thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate it at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. I was just trying to come up with an explanation that wasn't it as could offensive happen. It could to those happen. people. That that would be a possibility if there was enough demand in the marketplace to have a, you know, a nice canopy road or you know, a, naturally, uh, a naturally scenic road. There's more coming up here. You can take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This 
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything by dialing in toll-free at free t- uh, 1-800-259-9231. Our website is freetalklive.com. It allows you to go in and get interactive. You can submit show prep ideas and news stories, blog posts, videos, audio, whatever you want to the site. Other listeners then vote them up and vote them down, and you can vote things up and down as well. And the most popular items will be moved to the front page of the website. Get interactive over at freetalklive.com. Now, the uh, the public school system sucks off of the productive capacity of hardworking people. And whether their government education succeeds or fails, spoiler alert, it fails, at providing real education to the public, the cost goes up and up year after year, and there are no refunds. Oh, yeah, and it also destroys individualism and curiosity. School Sucks Podcast is a show about the end of government education. You can visit schoolsucksproject.com to learn more. That's schoolsucksproject.com. As uh, we're going to continue here with your phone calls in just a quick moment, but uh, Mark, just to, to real quick go back to the, the toll issue, the roads issue. We were asked, well, in the absence of a coercive government uh, violent monopoly, how would the roads be handled? And your answer was advertising, advertising, advertising. And then you made statements about uh, what, what you thought would be uh, viable in the marketplace. And the thing I was cautioning you about is I don't think it's fair to say you know what the marketplace is going to want. You may think that the marketplace will want a bunch of ads on their roads so they don't have to pay a toll, but I think that's a false choice. I think there's certainly the possibility of other things becoming uh, an option, especially if there's a demand for people, st- for people saying, look, there's too many billboards around here. We don't want to see all these as we're driving. We don't want to be distracted by them. In fact, what if the statistics – Wayne mentioned this. Uh, during the break, what if the statistics bear out that having all the distractions actually is causing more accidents? So therefore, a road might say, well, you're safer driving on our road because we don't have all the distractions that the road with all the advertising has on it. So there well, could that's be that a what, as well. That's a what if situation. And it, it, it could be true. The marketplace is going to do whatever the marketplace is going that's to right. do. And you gave your suggestion, which is there could be the, the Michelin superhighway. But all I'm trying to point out to you is that there is a business model that makes more sense and less sense. What I believe that the marketplace wants is to be able to get from here to wherever they're going, mostly work, school, uh, the grocery store, things like that, as quickly, as safely, and as expeditiously as possible. And in order to do that, it seems to me that the, the company that's going to be able to sell the most ads and therefore make the most money is going to be able to provide them with that the best. What if it isn't roads and cars? You know, the the whole roads and cars thing was basically in the last hundred years was kind of foisted upon us by government and the auto companies and the oil mm. and, and the you know the tire companies because they want to sell more of their product. But the more efficient way to transport people in certain areas, not all, but certain, is usually trains or buses. And trains used to be a lot more prevalent in this country. How about flying cars? Uh, flying cars. How about uh, how about transporters? Tra- teleporters? Teleporters. There you there go. You go. I, I, I don't know if teleporters are possible, but I, I do know flying cars have been around for, for some time, and they would get significantly better with uh, with usage. I do think that once you got rid of uh, the violent apparatus called the government and, and uh, the FAA, that you, you would uh, you'd probably see more pr- flying cars come up. I think they, they, they have their own problem, which is licensing and, and how However, that's going to work. I don't know um, how you're going to prevent somebody who uh, is, you know, is unqualified from driving a flying car, i.e., a 13-year-old, from hopping in one and, you know, crashing it into somebody's house and possibly injuring them terribly or something like that. But I think that that's going to happen, and the marketplace will figure out how to handle computerized that. tracks. As far as what, if you're going to fly somewhere, you go to Google Maps or Google Flight or something like that, and then you punch up where you want to go and the 
ship just takes you there. You don't even have to drive it uh, or fly it. Let's go to your phone calls about what you want. Scott is listening in Ithaca to WNYY. Scott, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, interesting conversation. Thanks. What's on your mind tonight? Well, I mean, the government could do some useful things. The government could do some things that are pretty interfering. But um, just to throw out a statistic, you don't really have to link them together if you don't want to. But we're spending about $7.3 billion a month in Iraq and Afghanistan. Who, who is we? And the United States. Oh, the federal government, you mean? Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, go ahead. And we're paying, you know, we pay taxes for that. Towards I that. don't. About one-sixth one of Americans pay taxes for that. I refuse to pay. Yeah. For killing, I no. won't. I won't pay for killing and and harming right. other people. But go ahead. Well, I pay taxes. Um, That's too bad. We're we're spending about seven point two billion dollars. I mean, we could spend seven point two billion dollars and basically get broadband access for rural America. It probably one be of the things that's interfering crappy. with that. What's that? It'd probably be pretty crappy. I mean, the government would run it after all. No, no, it would be privately. It's just basically funding to get the infrastructure to do it, and you probably have other cable companies that would be running it. So I see what um, you're saying. So, so you, I, wouldn't you're jump in, I wouldn't jump into that, but what I'm saying is what's interfering with that is basically a lobby money that influences the Congress to get things done. So what you're saying is instead of spending billions on a war and the uh, essentially the corporate welfare that's going into the military-industrial complex, you would you would propose putting corporate welfare in the hands of internet uh, companies. No, the conclusions. What if you need telemedicine in a rural area? You know what? We're losing your cell phone. I'll tell you what. I'll put you on hold. Maybe you can come back in a better cell in a moment. Uh, we'll have the board op check back right. in on Scott. I'm confused as to whether Scott's saying that uh, you know people that that we're wasting a bunch of money in Af- Iraq and Afghanistan, which I concur. I do not want to uh, be forced to spend uh, money on that. And um, I definitely and, hear him saying that, and that there are better things government could do with the money. Well, no, I don't know that he necessarily said the government could do that with the money. I like there's there's better things that could be done with the money than that much is true. He started out by talking about how the government can do some things that are bad and some things that are good, and he's right. proposing what he thinks is an alternative for the money that's currently being spent killing people. And I, you know, as far as if you have to choose, you want to put a gun to somebody's head and you want to put a gun to my head and say spend money killing people or spend money uh, trying Doing to... Doing a really efficient way, inefficient way of, uh, of providing broadband and yeah, access to trying people Trying to r- centrally plan uh, broadband expansion in the, in the country. I mean, obviously I'll take uh, broadband over killing, but I'd prefer that we not be extracting money by force from people in the first place and then using it for whatever arbitrary purposes that the government bureaucrats decide is important. And I like broadband internet access, uh, but the marketplace has done a fine job of bringing internet and broadband as as widely distributed as it uh, as it currently is today, we don't need some bureaucrats deciding where it should go next. In fact, that's one of the, the I think that's one of the scariest things that could happen to the internet is yeah. uh, the bureaucrats getting their hands in it. Yeah, because then what they'll start to do is try to dictate the content. Oh yeah, like they it. are in a, in uh, Australia. Yeah, the, the, there's a move to do that more and more, but you can imagine how there'd be even more of a push to it if they were actually installing it. Let's see if we've got Scott back. We'll try him back here real quick. Is he is Scott still uh, still with us? Do we lose? I'm your... still with you. Okay, there you are. Go ahead with your thoughts. Yeah, um, I think we got off a little track because all I was saying was it's it's a complete losing proposition as far as the 7.2 billion. It's basically it is social. It, it is a social uh, thing. What I'm not what I'm not saying that you're saying 
is that the government wouldn't be running that broadband. The broadband would be run by, let's say, Time Warner Cable. Right. I, I see what you're saying, companies. Scott, but, but the government would be stealing money from people in order to create a, a new marketplace for Time Warner and, and right. Comcast and these yeah, other yeah, entities. But, but what I'm saying is, let me, let me go a step further. Yeah. It's, not for, it's not for teenagers sitting there surfing on the Internet. I mean, that'll happen anyway. That's not the point of the whole thing. The point of the whole thing is allowing rural areas to create more jobs by creating businesses. And right, also right. I get, have, I get what you're saying. Businesses won't move into those areas without... I'll tell you what, we'll come back. I want to talk a, a little bit more about this rural areas and how it is that people in cities somehow owe... Uh, I'd like to point out that I live in a rural area and I don't really have broadband access. I've got to, I've got to use a cell phone connection. So you should force people, Mark. You should force people to pay for your broadband. I don't broadband. advocate that, no. Uh, there's more coming up here. We'll talk uh, hopefully a little more with Scott and take your calls as well about anything. This is Free Talk Live. You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. Just dial in toll-free and bring up anything at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features, they're free. We've got news updates. You get signed up. We can send you the updates via email. That's probably the best way to guarantee you see everything. We also have our Twitter uh, profile and Facebook fan page. A couple of other ways for you to get the latest on the show. Go to news.freetalklive.com to get signed up for one or all of those if you'd like. It's all free. News.freetalklive.com. Have you tried to lose weight before but failed? I've developed, with the help of experts, a super concentrated weight loss formula. All you have to do is take the pills. You don't have to change your lifestyle in any way. I've priced them so that you can spend less than a dollar a day to lose the weight you've been trying to get rid of. You can go check it out at LumaThinPlus.com. That's LumaThinPlus.com. All right, so we're going to continue here. Uh, I would take Scott, but he dropped off the Shoot. line. Scott, listening in uh, in Ithaca to WNYY, called up to talk about essentially proposing a corporate welfare plan for internet service providers and it was in uh, he used the war to kind of uh, promote his idea as a, a better uh, yeah to, as a as a better alternative to killing and i would agree it's a better alternative to killing no doubt about it yes but i would rather use stick me in the arm with a sharp stick than stick me in the chest with a star- sharp stick yeah and i'd i'd rather if i'm going to have my stolen money uh, spent somewhere i'd rather it not be spent killing people and, and hurting them but it but really it begs the question of rights uh, you know do i have the right to keep the money that i've earned or do you have the right to uh, take it from me and provide people who have w- willingly as far as i can tell live in rural areas um, i i could live in Keene, new hampshire i choose to live in a town that surrounds it because that's what i want to do do I have the right to extract from everybody in America uh, money in order to provide me with, uh, you know, broadband internet? Would it be according make to Ameri- Scott? You do. Would it make America more productive? Perhaps one might be make the argument. It seems to me whenever you make, uh, you know, make a government.
government-instituted uh, monopoly, things get pretty inefficient. Well, and the but, ends aren't worth the aren't ju- don't justify the means. I mean, even if it's right. true that giving all rural areas in America broadband access would somehow increase uh, the economy or the productivity of of America, and I I think that's speculative. Uh, even if it were true, it doesn't justify aggression against peaceful people. And that's the only way you can get the money to uh, to expand the businesses of Time Warner and, and Comcast. Because he was pointing out that, oh, well, you know, it's uh, it's not really corporate welfare. It's not going to be government run is what he said. It'll be the uh, Time Warner and the other companies that would be running the Internet. It wouldn't be government run. It would just be the government would be providing the money for them to expand out into areas that they currently don't. They are don't. expanding out, by the way, into areas that they currently don't. And this because is the, they have yeah, – this is the the problem with uh, with with getting the government involved in the marketplace. The fact is, the marketplace is moving along that path, and it's going as quickly as it goes, and it will result in the best things for everyone once it gets there, um, without the government intervention in this area. I guess the question to ask here too is: Would you rather just pay a little bit more for a a, a broadband subscription in a rural area, or do you want to pay high, higher taxes? So I would rather pay more for my broadband and then at least have some competition down the road. Right. That's then, fair. It, that's you fair. Know? Right. Right. Because there might be somebody out there that doesn't want, I mean, what about the people that don't use the internet? What are there about a quarter of the people in the nation that don't, don't use the internet at yeah, all? There's some Luddites out there. Why should they have to pay in order to provide people who want, who choose to live in rural areas? Why should they pay in order to provide them the service? Even if it's just a, a, a temporary, well, a temporary government program, <laughs> a temporary uh, uh, office of broadband bit of welfare to these companies um, or whether it's, uh, you know, a permanent thing. Why should they have to do it? Is it their money or is it your money? Can you vote to take people's money away if they spend their life, their blood, sweat and tears, um, you know, trying to accumulate money? You're essentially taking a piece of their life uh, with uh, Tax Freedom Day being April the 9th, I believe, this year. That means that the average American spends more than uh, three months uh, working. I hate that uh, term, by the way. I mean, you're never free of taxes. <laughs> it's just ludicrous. Okay. Anyway. Um, it spends uh, more than a quarter of the year working to pay government taxes. And that means that you're taking that first three months of their life, essentially. But it's okay, Mark, because the government already takes money from us. So what's the big deal if they spend it right. on the Right. So ISPs? what difference does it make if it's uh, you know Tax Freedom Day is the 9th or the 10th? Or if we reallocate the the direction that goes well because it's not fair can if you you shouldn't be able to vote people's money away in the same way you shouldn't be able to vote their life away if they i mean it i've got some money wouldn't it be good if the government voted to kill me and my family and take my well, money and, and feed poor people with but it the, some people would say that uh broadband access is a right how would mm-hmm. they say that well they've said it but but how they believe in Back positive it rights it's important <laughs> To have broadband access. If it's a right, wasn't it a right 10 years ago? If it was a right, wasn't it a right 100 years ago? Then how did it get to be a right? It's a right now, Mark, because it's important. It's important. It's important to a certain group of people. It's critical. Who believe in positive rights. But it doesn't even it doesn't even make any sense. Those people that believe in positive rights. If it was a right now, it was a right 100 years ago. Then how come they didn't have it then? 
really the the way to rephrase that is that it's apparently a right for Time Warner and Comcast to uh, get money from you by force in order so they can expand their business without having to take any risk. Right. I mean, isn't that what we're really talking about here? Exactly. We're, we're talking about negating the uh, the investment factor in uh, taking a risk in expanding your business in order to go into a new area with cable or DSL service or something like that or some new uh, internet access wireless or something like some alternative internet access you have to take a risk you have to look at your you look at this uh, the de- the demographics of the area and how many people are there and who could possibly subscribe and how much wire you're going to have to run and you know calculate all these numbers together and say all right well is it worth it for us to do this are we going to make our money back essentially by uh, bringing the government in it's just party time well we'll just take people's money Throw it at these uh, at these companies, expand their infrastructure for them, and then you know then they get to make more money down the line thanks to the taxpayers. How, why can't they take their own risk? Why can't they risk their own uh, profit margins in order to uh, to expand their businesses? I mean. Er- Right. If I live in a rural area. I don't get, um, you know, broadband in the sense that everybody else does. I have a, a cell, cell phone, phone and it's not that great. Some days it's better, some days it's worse, and it seems to vary on like the the sunlight, how much sunlight there is. But uh, you know, I don't be, understand that. I don't either. Um, that's just my experience yeah. and looking out the window and seeing how good or bad my reception is that day. But I'd be willing to pay more than the guy in the city for broadband. I mean, if I had the opportunity to pay a hundred dollars a month, I'd pay that in order. Mm-hmm. To have real broadband at my house, there have to be other people that are willing to do that. And and as you know, said, if you wanted good broadband, you wouldn't have moved out of the city. Right. That, that's if it, it that, were important enough to you, you wouldn't have moved away from the uh, the end of the cable line. It, yeah, that's the that's the decision that I made because I wanted the benefits of living out in a rural area. And I, I wanted, wanted the benefits of living in uh, in an urbanized area, and I've got two ca- internet co- broadband internet right, connections. Got, yeah, and, right, and it is lightning fast. And, and when I have to upload uh, some kind of video or something like that, I keep it till I get here, and I just yeah. do it real quick, like so. You know that that's life, man. Yeah. So uh, corporate welfare, not good. Yeah. Uh, not good. I mean, I'm not in favor of any. These companies kind of... don't need my money. I need my money. Thank you right. very much. Time Warner and Comcast have billions. You know, million. I mean, between them, they probably have a few billion dollars. Right. They've uh, already got the government corporate piece of paper that protects them from the liability of their uh, of their actions. Why in yeah. the world should we give them our money too? And there are other options. Uh, the cell phone companies are greatly expanding their broadband capability when local governments don't keep them from putting up towers that's a good yes. point and then you've got um, a satellite too satellite's pretty popular it's not as good as, as cable or dsl but it's not bad for a lot of people yeah i could get satellite but it seems to it, it, it seems like uh the the cell phone doesn't work on the cloudiest of days mm-hmm. and that would be the day that the um the same time that the, the satellite, satellite would wouldn't work, work either <laughs> well, so i had satellite for a year and the only time i really had trouble was if a storm was rolling in if it was a cloudy day, it would be okay. But if you just at that time, about an hour or two, when the, a storm is rolling in, that's when you your connection would drop. Otherwise, it was actually pretty good. There are always options. I mean, even even today, uh, for folks that are living in in rural areas, I know that the uh, the people in Grafton, New Hampshire, have been recently talking about how they roll the T1 line up in there or something like that. They've gotten some sort of connection that they've paid to have brought out into the woods, basically. Mm-hmm. It can be done. And uh, they're likely splitting, splitting the cost of that connection amongst a number of users to give them some level of broadband access that never existed before because they took the initiative and their own money to go out there and, and get the service they were looking for. There's more coming up here. 800-259-9231. Dial in with whatever you want. 
Do you need a new computer, but don't seem to have the money to buy one? Is your credit stopping you from buying the newest computers that you need today? Then My Computer Club is your answer to buy that new computer or laptop now and pay for it later. Finance top quality new computers and laptops and hundreds of other electronics. There are no credit checks, no turndowns. If you're 18 years or older and have proof of income, you're approved. Prices start at just $22 a month. Go to MyPCCredit.com and finance your new computer today. That's MyPCCredit.com. Talk Live. Enough time for your call if you make it right now to 1 800 259 9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. And tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. Listen in via our live streams. We've got a broadband and dial up version of the program. Our webcam is there as well. And the listen lines, different ways for you to listen in. And they're all free over at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen dot freetalklive.com uh there's a story out of maryland where a student has been beaten severely by the police i don't know if either of you have seen this uh, particular video but it's it's pretty i, thought, I saw the brutal. story about it and um but i did not see the video yeah it, it's it's pretty brutal uh, a young man was celebrating a, a basketball victory a maryland basketball team on march 3rd uh, as the student walks down the street close to the university's College Park campus, he's seen waving his arms and dancing jovially, likely a little under the influence of uh, some alcohol. He then slows, stops, and backs away upon seeing several horse-mounted police ahead of him. McKenna is then set upon and viciously slammed against a brick wall by dismounted officers in riot gear who pummel him with batons, knocking him unconscious, according to his lawyer. As a hefty officer takes a run up and delivers a forceful blow to the legs, McKenna, still somehow standing, is hacked to the ground. The cops then continue to beat McKenna in the head and body around a dozen times in total as he lays crumpled and motionless, neither resisting nor able to defend himself. This is going to be one of those stories, I believe, that catches fire because it's just so crazy yeah there's video this guy does nothing right (laughs) he's just jumping around he doesn't even know why they're after following the incident he astounding was charged with felonies on suspicion of assaulting officers on horseback and their mounts yeah that's right because he uh he hit them with his face many times over papers dealing with hit them with the uh maybe he said something to the cops maybe he because the camera here is very far away from the action far enough to make it clear what's going on but uh not close enough to be able to hear any of uh, what might have transpired so maybe he said something uh, you know a few cops or something like that and uh, they they decided to commence a beating on him but that's still uh doesn't justify what what they did cops are supposed mm-hmm. to be able to take an fu and keep doing their so-called right, job a professional uh, would certainly be able to do that uh so papers detailing the charges state that mckenna and another man struck those officers and their horses causing minor injuries and that the horses retaliated and injured mckenna and uh and the other man the horses yeah. Oh, the, yeah, the horses beat him up like that. The documents state the two men were running and screaming in the middle of the road, encouraging an unruly crowd to form. Prosecutors dropped the charges upon seeing video of the incident, which was shot by another student. And the video clearly shows McKenna around six feet away from the officers on horseback and did nothing to threaten them or provoke retaliation. It also clearly shows that the other man was not even involved in the incident, despite the officers charging claims. So here's another example. And by the way, this story brought to you by copblock.org. If you want to see the video, the folks over at prisonplanet.com have it. Uh, and if, if, if you just go for uh, Maryland police brutality on YouTube, you'll likely pull it up as well. Uh, but just another example of where a video camera changed everything the cops had no idea this was being filmed 
the 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 videographer was far enough away to where he would have been out of the uh, the purview of the police, and so the cops had no idea that their behavior was being caught. Although they, sh- they should always presume it is if there are enough people around, and this is a situation where there were some other people around. Uh, but they were caught red-handed, just beating the hell out of a a college kid. And if that video hadn't been there, then the story would have been their story and any witnesses that were courageous enough to come out and back their story and the story of the cops, of which there were several. There were a number of cops on the yeah. scene in this case. This would have fallen like a like a lead balloon. They would have all gotten their story straight. The cops would have met with one another. They would have gotten their story straight. Okay, those kids it would have never had us. to go anywhere. It would have absolutely the, well, felony, have the, the felony charges on this kid would have stuck. stuck. Exactly. And the cops would have, you know, formed their thin blue line and protected one another, and nothing would ever have happened. In this case, the police, I believe, have actually been suspended. I don't know if they've been suspended with pay. That is usually how things uh, typically go down. So that's uh, your latest cop copblock.org story here on Free Talk Live. Wayne, uh, you wanted to share something with us here before we wrap the night out. Yes, I, I found a rather disturbing story from January of this year about uh, some of the statistics uh, of the military. Well, here's a, a, a shocking statistic that you won't hear in most Western news media. Over the past nine years, more U.S. military personnel have taken their own lives than have died in action in either the wars wow. in, Af- in Iraq or Afghanistan. These are official figures from the U.S. Department of Defense, yet somehow they have not been deemed newsworthy to report. Where's the source on this? This is, uh, well, the, let's see, the website is globalresearch.ca. Okay, Canadian website. Yes, Canadian website. Um, Gulf Daily News, I guess, as well. I, I have to say that is shocking. I find that shocking. Yeah, it's I mean, crazy. You're talking about thousands of people uh, taking their own lives. Yes, and since they, it's noted, since 2001 when Washington launched its so-called war on terror, there's been a dramatic year-on-year increase in U.S. military suicides, particularly in the Army, which has borne the brunt of fighting abroad. Last year saw the t- highest total number since uh, such records began in 1980. Prior to 2001 that suicide rate in the U.S. military was lower than that uh, for the general U.S. population. Now it is nearly double the national average. Prior to the beginning of uh, the, the wars war in Iraq and Afghanistan, they were lower than the average. The suicide American. rate was lower, and now it's almost double, now it's double. the gem- general wow. population. I find Telling. that troubling. Well, why is that, Wayne? Why do you, why do you think that uh, those folks are killing themselves? Well, I think they're probably going over there and realizing, it's just like in Vietnam, the guys, you'd say, well, what are we fighting for? Once they get over there, they get pretty discouraged. But what's even more disturbing is that the official figures only count victims of suicide among serving active personnel. Oh. Not included are the uh, veterans. Oh, my god! Officially classed as civilians who take their own lives. Right, so they're not even counting those numbers. Who knows? I mean, because when when you get back from, uh, and I'm I'm going based on what I've to- I've been told. Thank goodness I've never actually had to go through this. But uh, when some people get back from fighting in a war zone, they've got some serious mental issues to yeah, deal with. I sure. mean, you've watched your friends die. You've watched children being blown up. You've watched maybe you've even participated in killing innocent people like those people in the helicopter video from WikiLeaks. Maybe you actually did those things and you, you end up regretting it down mm-hmm. the line. You realize that what you did was wrong. You get caught up uh, in the mob mentality and you just... Did it the, the 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 depleted uranium and all whatever other chemicals they just you know use yeah, they test whatever stuff they feel on like, you feel like you know affect your m- mental acuity mm-hmm. I, I you mean, feel like you're owed something because you were promised by the military that they were going to yeah. take care of you and then they start screwing you left yes. and right, right you're because, being denied because once things. you're a veteran you're useless you're, and, you're being denied the coverage and the treatment that you were told that you were going to get 
and you know your 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 girlfriend left you while you were over there. You come back to a life that doesn't exist because you, if you entered the military at age 18, you haven't really built any useful skills in the marketplace. You're a 20-something-year-old uh, guy, and you you've never really worked before. So it can be a daunting task uh, for people that have that have seen action to come back and fit themselves into the regular non-violent society. And and I. We can only speculate, right, Wayne, on how many of them might have taken their own lives. Well, the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs calculates that over 6,000 former service personnel commit suicide each year. Good Lord. And there's, what, been three, uh, four or five thousand in in both both areas, but probably closer to 5,000, maybe 6,000 people in Afghanistan and Iraq since the the beginning of uh, hostilities there. So that's more in one year than, ugh. ugh. 6,000 a year, they estimate, from their own numbers. crazy. And just imagine being deployed. Let's say you have a family market and you're deployed and you're talking with your wife. You're writing to your wife and she's saying, well, we're on food stamps now, you know, because you can't make the same kind of uh, living that you can make in the private sector, obviously. And and those guys don't get paid that much. And then finally you come home and obviously your wife had to move into a little one bedroom apartment with your son. And can you imagine how depressing that would be? And then you can't find a job because look at the economy now. Mm, Right. (sighs) Wow. Wow. What yeah. a way to top off the show. Yeah. No, it's depressing. But, <laughs> it is. It's but, terrible. But it, it starts with this because people have to start saying, hell no, we're not going to go. If only more of them would. I mean, gosh, they would be so much better off. Imagine how much better off you'd be if you uh, made the mistake of joining the military and you just stopped refusing to obey. Uh, in some cases, we've seen stories where people have been uh, discharged. We've had people call the show who said they, they've been discharged simply because they weren't going to go along with it anymore, and the military just decided to get rid of them. There always is the possibility of a court-martial and, and spending some time in jail, but, man, I'd rather be sitting in a uh, in a jail cell at some Fed, uh, you know, I guess maybe it's a military jail, so maybe it's worse than the average uh, minimum security Fed prison. But Mostly uh, they'll uh, put them in these, uh, the, these sort of platoons that don't do anything, where they're just, like, it's not, it's not entirely the brig. Uh, different things happen to different people. I mean, if you're going to non-cooperate and not do anything, they're likely going to put you in the brig. So I, I don't know. I would love to hear from some military people that have some experience with this as far as what it's like. Uh, but, man, you, you're you safer not going along with the plans and just accepting whatever punishment that they decide to throw your way than catching some bullets and watching your buddies get blown away and having to deal with all of that. And worst of all, killing other people and then thinking about it for the rest of your life. Just remember what General Smedley Butler said. Uh, there's, o- there's only two things worth fighting for, your family and the Bill of Rights. Everything else is just a racket. 800 to, wait, we're done. What are you talking about? It's been Ian here with you. <laughs> and Wayne. And Mark. Out for tonight, back tomorrow night. Join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as three bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. All right. It's another edition of the Edgington Post. And today I have with me a a, a big name in uh, Liberty Circles, uh, James Bovard. James, are you there? I'm here. Excellent. Now, you have a, a new article out for the Christian Science Monitor, and it is uh, it, it talks about how the, the census is, uh, is dangerous. How is the census dangerous, James? 
Well, the the, uh, the government tries to make people think there's no way the census, their census responses could ever be used against them. In reality, the census uh, was used uh, some decades ago to send more than 100,000 uh, Japanese Americans into concentration camps, and uh, the government has done nothing to make it. Uh, um, the government has done nothing to assure people that this could not happen again. Yeah, I don't know how they could do something to assure. I mean, if you give them the information, they're going to use it in the way they want, right? Well, the uh, government has stressed that, the, uh, that it would be against the law for the government to use your census response against you. However, that has not stopped the government in the past, and the uh, law is not what it used to be as far as having any type of binding effect on the U.S. government. If you look at what the um, happened in earlier decades and what's even happened there in more recent times, uh, the... Um, there are local governments who use housing um, responses on housing density to carry out sweeps of overcrowded housing, which ends up getting people evicted. Um, that's just one of the perils that people have from uh, uh, telling the uh, government everything that they want to know in their census forms. They're probably enemy belligerents anyway. Excuse me? They're probably enemy belligerents anyway. Well, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if that's the term that they use, or it might have been the term decades ago. Don't know. Well, I, I, it's it's a relatively new term that they're trotting out in the Obama administration. The, uh, the 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 Bush administration was calling people enemy combatants, and they have a new term, enemy belligerents, which I guess can refer to U.S. citizens at the same time. I'm just pointing out how uh, you know, even if they say that your your data is is safe, they'll they'll do what they want when they uh, slap some label on you. Well, and not only that, but but the government, some people in the government have been making noise about the danger of extremists, and that's never very well defined. But uh, according to some of the um, government reports, I mean, if someone uh, has a staunch belief in the Constitution and prefers and thinks of the federal government's power is limited compared to uh, especially state and local governments, that, that could label them as a dangerous extremist. And there are more than a million names right now on the terrorist watch list. And one doesn't know how the government might add up all these different databases. It it it, it is frightening. I mean, um, you know they they get all the, they get all this information and heavens knows what they're going to do with it. And if your 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 name happens to be misspelled and you know the same as uh, spelled the same as someone else, that's that's frightening too. Well, this is what's happened a lot with the terrorist watch list. That's part of the reason why so many uh, people who have a uh, who are clean as a hound's tooth have been put on the do not fly list because. They have a uh, an Irish last name like Kennedy that uh, someone in the IRA might have used, or mm. uh, there was some six-year-old kid, and the government isn't smart enough to figure that a six-year-old kid was not involved in some terrorist bombing back in 1972. Uh, so, uh, but the government's always promising that the that, that just around the bend that they're going to get that, get everything straightened out. So. I, it seems it seems really unlikely to me that they're going uh, they're going to be able to get these things straightened out. I mean that's that's the definition of bureaucracy. Well, and the uh, government doesn't really have an incentive to uh, fix its errors because this is part of the way that it's expanded its power. People have to recognize the more information the government collects on them, the more control it will have over them. And citizens are not obliged to pave the data highway for big government's next intrusion into their lives. So um, there's there's some kind of penalty for uh, for not filling out the census form, isn't there? Uh, I think it's a hundred dollar fine. Someone mentioned it might have gone up higher, but mm. um, this is a fine which is almost never applied. Yeah, I've, I've, um, I've never heard of it being applied. I was a census taker back in 1980 when I was living out in the little Ozarks, 
And uh, there was, um, you know, I dealt with a lot of people, and there was uh, there was only one who wouldn't uh, give the information, and uh, he, uh, he was expecting me to get angry, but I shrugged my shoulders and said, eh, no, that's fine. doesn't bother me. So <laughs> I just walked on to the next trader, and someone gave me a free beer. So There you go. <laughs> no, <laughs> and, you know, it, it, it's, it, to me, it's kind of, you know, I, you're stuck on the horns of a dilemma as far as this uh, census-taking stuff. Um you know, in in one case, you, you it's you don't want to give the power of your community away to uh, some other community by you know the the sort of the voting thing that goes on. Um, so you you think huh, maybe I should claim that there's 24 Eskimos living in my house. The uh, the um, the uh, voting thing that goes on. Uh, well, if you know, you know, I I think back to the big controversy about the first TARP bailout bill that uh, that the House of Representatives uh, considered and. Uh, there, was, there was one congressman that said that the uh, calls to his office were running 50-50. 50% of people said no, and 50% of people said hell, hell no. no. Yeah. So uh, people had to vote, and it didn't do them a lot of good as far as blocking that one of the biggest corporate welfare um, outrages in American history. Yeah, yeah, that, that much is true. One one does have to wonder, wonder how valuable one's vote is at all. I mean, clearly somebody's going to get in, and once somebody gets in, they really don't seem to care much what you have to say after that. Well, most of them don't, and it's it's unfortunate that people are still taught that, that a voting lever is the only leash that they need on government power. Uh, you know, if <laughs> what's the um, what's the quote? If uh, if voting were were effective, it'd be illegal. Oh, uh, that's yeah, that's that's a good line. Um, um, but it's just, I mean, the the uh, it's it's fascinating to see how the media has has echoed the Census Bureau's propaganda. As far as that, people have nothing to fear, and that the, and that there's and, and that the government's trustworthy. Because uh, since the last time the census was taken in 2000, the the feds have uh, been very explicit in trampling the legal and constitutional protections of Americans' privacy. Yeah, well, the the media echoes what the government says on pretty much every issue, so it, I guess it it doesn't surprise me too much. You know, it seems like most of the journalists out there that are doing the writing are, you know, twenty and um in in their twenties and or maybe early thirties, and and you know they 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 were taught all this stuff in school, so they just kind of believe it. Well, and some of the journalists are hoping to get jobs as a government spokesman. Mm, I guess there's that too. Yeah, it's uh, um, every now and then someone does do a good investigation of government abuses, and uh, there have been some stories over the good stories over the years on the Census Bureau. But it, it's just fascinating to see that the government and the media is telling us that the government is going to respect our privacy on this. When when after 9/11, the Justice Department and White House lawyers decided the Fourth Amendment uh, was null and void, and the president could order it could order any surveillance he pleased. And, and simply to think of what the National Security Agency has done over the last you know, eight or nine years as far as uh, making these data, these illegal databases of all the phone calls made by tens of millions of Americans very clearly uh, against the law, and uh, no, almost nobody in D.C. gives a uh, patooey. <laughs> they know better than the, the rest of us how, how we should be living our lives. So, uh, you know, that, that's I'm sure what, they, what, the, what their consideration is. Well, it's, uh, you know, th- these are folks that really don't uh, spend a lot of time worrying about other people's rights and liberties. It's it's not their job, you know. <laughs> Somehow or another, people uh, were under the misimpression that you, you institute gov- governments to uh, to protect rights, and, uh, I, I, you know, there's not a lot of evidence for that. Well, it's, it's um, you know, um, 
Thomas Jefferson's birthday, I think, was yesterday, and uh, so I noticed in the Washington Post that there, that there was going to be a, a military parade to celebrate the event. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, this is, uh, I mean, okay, Abraham Lincoln, yeah, that's perfect. Thomas Jefferson, you know, it's, it, wasn't, it wasn't like he was a militarist. No, uh, didn't like the idea of a standing army very much. No, and it's just, but it's just sad that the the government can do this, and the media echoes it, and almost no one's, uh, almost no one's uh, out there um, shouting uh, BS. So, <laughs> it 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 seems like the uh, we're I guess we're at a a pivot point when um, sort of new media and old media uh, are, are are crossing paths, and you know what's gonna you know what's gonna happen in the future. It's difficult to say um, because there's there's kind of this uh, opinion news out there, and there's this uh, you know this kind of news that it, it's supposed to be unbiased, but it's just really big government news. It, it seems to me. Well, and it's interesting how there's a, there's a, a few websites such as the uh, um, the um, WIKI uh, leaks program uh, leaks yeah. website. Yeah, WikiLeaks. The, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the one that's put up that great video on the uh, on that attack helicopter killing the civilians in Iraq. And from what I hear, there's some other great uh, another great video on a uh, some carnage in Afghanistan. They're getting ready to put up, uh, and it, it's unfortunate that uh, that. That, that more folks don't appreciate the courage that a handful of people with that website have uh, done. And because uh, there is so much information uh, in, in government archives that can radically change how Americans uh, view the uh, federal action, if they paid attention at all, which is, again, perhaps a bit of a leap these days. You know, it, it, it's true. Uh, the, the, that was the whole purpose of the media in the first place, was to be the watchdog on government. And it... It's it's laid down on that job as the probably the nicest way to say that, and I you know <laughs> I sincerely hope that WikiLeaks it could it it really could change things if uh, if people with a bit of a conscience that work for the federal government can uh, you know leak things and without any you know any fear of getting caught I I think I think that'd be a great thing. Well, and there 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 are a lot of good uh, federal uh, employees and. Sure. Uh, a lot of decent people, uh, individuals in the military, and some of them have been horrified by what they have seen over the last eight or nine years, or going back much further. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it, it's interesting thinking of how the um, how the story on the National Security Agency warrantless wiretaps came out in the New York Times late nineteen uh, late two thousand five. This is a story the New York Times set on for a year. That was part of the reason George W. got reelected. But my impression was that the uh, NSA whistleblowers uh, made approaches to at least one or two other uh, news organizations, and they didn't have the balls to touch it. Mm. So it's sort of like here are here are federal uh, federal employees who, who are risking the, uh, both their career and their freedom in order to blow the whistle, and the uh, and it's hard to find a journalist who's kind of like you know, well, I don't know, I think the government might not like this. Yeah, <laughs> brave the brave souls in the media. Well, there um, there are some individuals who have done some really good work, and, sure. and, and there are some individuals that are principled. But I mean, part of the trouble is a lot of the large organizations right now don't have nearly the gumption for confronting the government that they used to have. So, um, when it when it comes to the census, what uh, what can uh, people expect if they? Uh, what, what's your, what's your, do you have any kind of predictions of what people can expect if they decide? Well, you know, I don't want to participate or um, that kind of thing, and. <laughs> And, and I, I guess I have a follow-up question: Is 
how in the world could this thing possibly be right? Um, you know, I've I think I've uh, gotten one census form in my life. Uh, Rush Limbaugh, I just heard him speak uh, on the radio a couple of days ago. He's never gotten one um, and never therefore never filled one out. Uh, how many people are like that? I mean, do, do we really have 300 and whatever million people in the United States? Do they even know? Well, you know, my experience back in 1980 when I was uh, taking the census out in the Ozarks, I mean, uh, for the first first couple of weeks, um, there, was a, there was a policy on counting aliens that were here, um, that were here illegally. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, halfway through the, uh, the, uh, the census count, the uh, policy switched. And instead of counting them, we were supposed to not count them, or vice versa. I, I've forgotten. I've forgotten which way it went, but but all of a sudden it was a mirror image. And so at that point, you're just thinking, well, you know, so uh, why exactly are we doing this? Yeah. Um, it didn't make any sense at all. Um, I um, I've always gotten census forms. The the uh, the thing which I recommend is the thing which I'll probably do is simply tell the government, you know, there's one person living here. There's one person living here, and um, you know, I guess you can figure out my name, uh, but um, that's all they need to know as far as making an apportionment for Congress, which was the original intent, the, the original purpose for the uh, census. Well, they do love to collect their information. They want to know what uh, what your race is, which I find particularly offensive. I mean, you know, <laughs> um, we're we're supposed to be doing away with racism, and but they want to count you via your race. I, you know, I, well, the the the, uh, the thing that the, that the government doesn't tell you is, is that these racial numbers are used for all all types of affirmative action things, especially with the Office of Federal Contract Compliance Programs, because this uh, this part of the Labor Department basically dictates uh, how many of each race that federal contractors have to uh, hire in certain areas, hmm. and they are very heavy-handed. They're very arbitrary, and it's uh, I did an investigation on that some years ago for the American Spectator. And it was astounding to see how explicit it was. I mean, there was no gray area. I mean, the uh, government tends to pretend, uh, tries to pretend it sometimes, well, there's no real quotas. You know, tell that to federal contractors. They know better. Well, they've, they've, uh, they've been on the wrong end of the stick. So, hmm. of course, they're going for government contracts, so it's not like their hands. Uh, anyhow, there's, uh, that's another story. So. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I wonder about this this whole census operation from the from, from beginning to end, whether it's just a government uh, you know program for employing people or or what, because I can't imagine they get too close. And if they wanted to do this properly, it seems like they would empower communities to uh, count themselves and then you know run the numbers on up the ladder rather than trying to put together this whole top down operation from the federal government. Well, I mean, there's there's lots of local governments I would not count for a uh, New York minute as far as giving an accurate count because it's in, in their it's their in their interest to exaggerate. It's oh, like I the see. The city of Detroit, I mean, the city of Detroit, my good lord knows how many people the uh, which you know which they would claim for all the vacant acres they have in that city at this point. Yeah, um, yeah, you make a good point. Yeah, I mean, it's you know uh, this is something which it, it's very difficult to do, but part of the reason uh, that people distrust the government. Well, for instance, it was only like. 2003-2004, the uh, Census Bureau did a special printout for the Homeland Security Department showing them uh, in which zip codes uh, Arab Americans lived and how many lived in each zip code. Um, this is something uh, the Census Bureau says that it did not give out the personal information on the respondents for the 2000 census, but the Census Bureau has a long history of lying about how much information they've given to law enforcement and the military. Hmm. So, uh, 
uh, what organization do they give this Arab American stuff to? Uh, the Homeland Security Department. I think. Oh my goodness, I I can only imagine how Arab Americans uh, feel about that. I, you know, I mean, that's that would be the uh, the organization that I would trust the least uh, with with that information. Well, and this was at the same time there were conservatives out there calling for either uh, uh, putting uh, Arab Americans in internment camps or deporting them. Uh, they, they were uh, calling our show uh, advocating that. I mean, <laughs> I know yeah, they I are. Mean, it's crazy. Yeah, and it's and uh, it, it was it was it was funny uh, because um, I had a paragraph on that Christian Science Monitor article, and uh, I got I saw a few posts of it online, and there were some conservatives who were they're very indignant. Nobody ever said that. I'm thinking like you know. No, that just doesn't work. You I've know, got recordings. It, it, well, yeah, and, and it's easy to track down, track down the, uh, on the internet. And uh, uh, you know, if you look at Michelle Malkin's book uh, titled "In Defense of Internment," I mean, it wasn't simply a historical treatise on how great it was that Japanese Americans got rounded up. Mm. <laughs> it's disturbing. Um, so, James, uh, how would people find this uh, this article of yours um, in, in the Christian Science Monitor? Well, people could uh, look for it, uh, do a Google search there, or or they could go to jimbovard.com. I've got the article posted in my blog. I think I've got a link on my main uh, jimbovard.com website to the article. But uh, there's, there's a bunch of other stuff there, which uh, some other hell raging, which people might get a few laughs out of. <laughs> and you're uh, regularly in the, the, at the Future of Freedom uh, Foundation's emails that I, that I get in my email box. Yeah, I've I've written a lot for them. I've done a lot of, uh, been do, uh, throwing rocks at the government for a long time for a lot of different places. Thank you for that. Okay, well I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, James. Uh, James Bovard. Uh, you can check it out at the Christian Science Monitor or at jimbovard.com. Thanks very much. Hey, thanks for having me on. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com.